Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? It's going good. Sorry, the window's open. You can hear all of the birds singing their songs. You can't hear that. Okay. Well, maybe other people can hear it as the podcast goes on. You'll hear clucking and <laughs> I guess whatever the sound a Tui makes, it's not really a cluck. It's like a mockingbird sound. It's got a big white right. cotton ball on its neck. Cluck, clucking and jiving. Yeah, That's clucking and jiving. But yeah, it's going good. It's it's officially on Christmas break for the next two weeks, which is wonderful. A lot of painting is going to happen soon. So as soon as this podcast ends, I will pick up a roller and start to paint. Yeah. What color? White. Everything's going to be white. As, <laughs> no. uh, white for the main room, a couple of accent wall colors. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're going modern. We're going to try to make it's it your house. You can, you can. And Alice is a painter. Well, right. more of a uh, like a, like a traditional artist, but I guess that's a little different right. from rolling a wall, right? Yeah. yeah, I know, but I'm saying so. Why not just like paint whatever you want? You know, let her let her go wild. Let her go. Let her go to those walls like a like a three year old crayons. She's not going to do that. No, no <laughs> well, she's not going to do that. Sounds like a missed opportunity. Yeah, but you know, like, and I also don't blame her. Like, if you have to do all of the work in the house to paint it because you're the more talented of the traditional artist out of the two of us. <laughs> It all falls on her to do. Yeah, but she doesn't have to. I'm just saying, like, not all the walls, but if she's like, yeah, go ahead. We painted it now. Now have at it. There, yeah, there's maybe. A we'll have, have some fun. The good thing is, if it if the inspiration hits, you can just do it. And if you don't like it, you know what you can do? You can paint over it. It's fine. Yeah, it's your house. You can do whatever yeah, you want. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's nice. Thing. It's nice being able to paint a wall and be like, you know, I don't like that color. I'm just going to paint it again. It's just, or it's not, just or knock it down. Fine paint. Or knock it down. I mean, I guess until. Unless it's a load-bearing wall, then you can't really knock it down. So Yeah. Well, you can, but there's consequences. Yeah, it's like the house falling in. <laughs> exactly. Ultimate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's uh there's an upside and downside to everything. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So you just need a way you need to weigh the pros and cons sometimes. But the freedom is in your hands as a as a landowner and a homeowner. Yes. Because technically you own the land, right? Not necessarily the house on it. Well, you own, yeah. As far as the government's concerned, you own it. You know, you can do pretty much what you want to it. So, yep. within yeah, so just, council regulations, right? So you can't build a giant monolith in your backyard that reaches the sky. But you no, can build a what's small the monolith. limit? You can buy a minute, a mini. I think the the limit is what two meters, which is a little over, probably right at like seven seven feet, I'd guess. Like, nah, two meters probably a little less. Probably like six foot, six foot six, six foot seven is probably about two meters. Wait, that's that's the high. That's not the highest you can build up. No, that's the highest you can build up of a structure that's not part of your house. As far as oh, how okay. high Got can it. you build your house? I'm assuming yeah. it's as long as it's not blocking. It depends on the council. Because um, yeah, I believe it's like standard, right? You got standard eight to ten feet ceilings in most homes, which is we standard ten feet, right? So sure. this house has all standard ten feet ceilings plus the roof. So yeah, I'm sure you can't build like two like a giant four or five story house. Um, it probably just depends on where you are. Zoning laws. So I think that's that's your next move then. Vertical expansion. Just keep building up. Yep. Look look over everyone around me and they know. Yeah. That have tower your own, in the sky. Yeah. Have your own personal tower of babel. Just keep going up, up and up and up. Yeah. Until you reach God. <laughs> so <laughs> did uh or, or you, when you get too close, he then makes all the languages and then you can't talk to each other. So God is the original ruiner of communication. Just think, just think of the great things we could have done if God didn't intervene and say, hey, you know what? You guys are getting too close. You guys all need to spread these different languages. 
right? Because everyone was working together. We all spoke the same language. Imagine if we all spoke the same language, if there was one language. Imagine how powerful yeah. things would be. A lot of times it's just lost in translation, right? Yeah. Be able to understand people in uh, New Zealand. That'd be great. <laughs> and you know, I, people in New Zealand be able to understand people all across the U.S. depending on where you are, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, to me, the the most frustrating language to this day that I have encountered is Singlish. The Singapore, yes, Singapore English, English is rough. It's, it's awful. Mess. It's so bad. And the, and my biggest issue with that is that I should understand it. Like if you wrote down what you were, if they wrote down what they were saying, I'd understand it. But the fact that I it's just a whole lot of what's to get to what the thing is that you actually said makes it enormously frustrating versus going into somewhere like Japan or Mexico where from default, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. There's not there's not a chance. Whereas here, it's like, I, I should know what you're saying, but it's just so warped that it's it's troubling. It's troubling. Um, yeah, but- and I guess those countries where English is not their, I believe Singapore, English is an, is an official language. Um, where other countries like France, right? Like they get our media and it's it's American English. So they tend to understand us more. If you can speak a little bit of English, most people learn English when it's their second language based on media, right? Yeah. Um, and but there's degrees be- of separation of of understanding, right? Like I feel like if you were to draw a spectrum of English, right? You would plot down all the different points of what can be understood and how different one thing is removed from the other yes and i i feel like when you have american english even if you take into the deep south and then you go into england and i'll throw in australia and new zealand those points are not too far apart but i would say maybe in indian english is a bit further yes but because i i work with the with indian developers but man singapore english is just off it's off the deep end that is like far away but yeah i would say of all the like the the english as an official language singapore was probably the roughest i still understood it but it was it was hard um where yeah i'm trying to think of where else sort of has english as official language with a super strong accent because like here once you live in new zealand and australia long enough you realize that their english is very based in in britain right it's based in the uk's english so once you get Mm -hmm. that you start getting like you know bonnet and um what's the other one the boot Right, the boot, the boot of the car, those types of things. You start getting, you start understanding their English because it's just based on Britain's English. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Are uh, are they vaccinating people over there? No, even though we have fifteen million, we've ordered fifteen million doses of the vaccine from two different places. Right. So what there's are you going to do? Five million those, uh, people in New Zealand. Right. So there's five million say- of us. But what New Zealand has also pledged to do, which was actually pretty cool, is because New Zealand sort of considers that their sphere of influence includes a lot of the Pacific Islands, right? So Fiji, Tonga, um, all the Pacific Islands that sort of have a direct connection to New Zealand, we've got extra vaccines for them because most likely they're not going to be able to afford the the vaccines, right? Um, So, yeah, that's pretty cool that New Zealand's like, nope, we're going to take care of the Pacific Islands as well. Give us 15 million of these and we'll vaccinate people here first and then we'll start to vaccinate some of the the more poor islands so yeah you know i was gonna make a joke i didn't realize the population of new zealand was actually five million because yes. i was gonna yep. i was good i was just about to make a joke saying what are you gonna do with the extra 10 million yeah. and realizing oh wait that is actually how many people yeah there's five million people we just hit five million like 
July of this year. They did a big article in the newspaper, like, now what do we do now? Now there's five million people. Um, I believe Stop it was four million kids. in like the eighties. Like this is the classest, cl- the fastest climb between a million, obviously ever in New Zealand history, which isn't that long. New Zealand's history is, as far as a Western nation, is not that long. So, yeah, things are gonna blow up too because you imagine there's gonna be like a a COVID baby boom, right? Probably. There already is. I'm there already. I'm assuming that there already is. There's already. I know a lot of people who are expecting children. So yeah, yeah. me too. So, um, yeah, that's cool. That's. It sounds like you guys have access. We don't. Um, well, you do, <laughs> but you don't. No, I, excess. I mean, we don't. Oh, I thought, I thought you said we, access. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I slurred that out. But yeah, excess. Not in our favor. We uh, They started vaccinating, though. We have two. We just got Moderna's vaccine approved yesterday. So that's cool. That'll start rolling out in... Uh, that'll start rolling out on Tuesday, they say. The like, first injections will be made. But the New York Times did a, did you see this? They did, there's an opinion column that says when, that estimates when you could be in line to get, like what your place in line is to get the I didn't vaccine. See it, no. The only thing I saw recently, which is when I logged on to do this podcast, was that people are worried that in California, that very rich people are donating money to hospitals so that way they can get first in line for the vaccine, which doesn't surprise I mean, You still can't do anything with it. I mean, they'll probably have... Like, it's great to have it, of course, but, you know, there's, there's only so much you can actually do with it. Like, it, unless until there's some policy in, in the, around the world that says, yeah, if you have a vaccine card, then you can travel. That's yeah. Do you really, have any hesitation with getting the vaccine? You personally? No. None. Like, zero, zero hesitation of getting this vaccine. Zero hesitation. Unless I find out there's an ingredient in there that I'm allergic to, like, uh, like ibuprofen or avocados as long as those aren't in there then give me but are you not at all concerned about you know look this is the fastest vaccine that's gone to market right so it's not the fast the fastest vaccine ever developed right because a lot of these vaccines get developed and around the same time it's just the actual approval process obviously takes much longer because they're just extra, extra cautious with it. So you're not concerned at all that in a year you come to find out, you know, another company or they improve the vaccine and go, yeah, that first vaccine, actually, we found out that it reduces your fertility by half. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, because they've been doing trials for a while and the technology has existed long enough where it's it's based on other vaccines that have worked and existed in the past. So it seems like there's enough evidence that that shouldn't really happen because although it was super fast it wasn't at a lack of being thorough and making sure it does what it's supposed to do without a high risk so you know i'll listen to i'll listen to sanjay i'll listen to uh i'll listen to uh fauci and the experts and all that stuff like and and all those guys you know they're they're the ones who would know better than i would i'm not going to read an entire report on what this stuff is the experts will tell me what that is because even if i read it i wouldn't really know what it meant so that the funny thing is people will but i'm not one of those people who is claiming that it's not good like the i i saw posts online from skeptics or at least people sharing it no one i know and saying this was like we don't even know what's in the thing it's like yeah you do you can, you can go and google what's in it they tell you they tell you what's in it and what it does <laughs> like none of this stuff is ambiguous they had the hearings on for the emergency approval they aired those live so you're able to listen in if you wanted to 
but the result is what matters. And so far, it seems like it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good deal. Because and what's the alternative? Self isolating and waiting for the virus to die, but that's not going to happen so. forever. It's it's fucked. No, man. I'm just I'm just saying like if it obviously gets to a point where it's less because again a big part of why the vaccine is so important is because it actually takes the strain off of the hospital, right? Like, that's why you get the flu vaccine. Because you're saying, well, look, some people are going to get the flu, right? People get the flu every year. But the point of the vaccine is that if enough people get vaccinated, enough people don't have serious side effects from getting the flu, then it's less hospitalizations, less strain on the medical system, et cetera, et cetera. So, look, my feeling on this is I'm very glad that the UK and Britain are going to – or, sorry, Britain and the US are going to test this first. Because I, I just kind of want to see. I'll g- give me a couple of months and I'll see. So by the time New Zealand gets a vaccine, I'll be more than willing to take it. But if you, I don't necessarily know if you ever want to be the first of anything like this, just because you just don't, you don't know what the long-term side effects are because they haven't been able to test it long-term. That's that's my concern is because there hasn't been a year, two years. We don't even know what the long-term effects of the virus is at this point. Right. So if you've caught COVID-19 and you've recovered from it, you didn't have any major symptoms. Are you going to find out that in two years that it's shortened your life by X amount of time because this is the long term effect of the virus? Right. I think that's just my general concern with all of this stuff is just time often gives you more information. Um, Like if you look at HIV and AIDS, right, what has pretty much made this no longer a serious life threatening disease is time. You've had more time to observe people who've had it. You've had more time to do the science, more, you know, as much as the technology is up to speed now, it's only going to get up to speed even further in five years, right? Like, it's just going to improve. And now people are going to be more willing to actually donate money to science because they see how important it is. Um, So, yeah, my opinion is I'm just happy I'm not first. (laughs) (laughs) But if you if you were if you were in the States and you're in this situation. Would you? Would that change your mind? Because you're in a different depends state. On, of depends people. on where I live. Depends on where I live. If I lived in a state that was actually taking the 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 lockdowns and the work from home orders and stuff seriously, I would probably be like, you know, I don't like get it to the medical professionals, the people who absolutely need it first. I'm not one of those first people in line. So well, here's that's what the they're thing, doing. Right? But but it, again, it's also, that's what they're yeah. doing. But I'm basically telling you, like right now, if someone says, "Hey, look, man, I can get you the vaccine tomorrow," would you take it? And that's when I would go, ah, let these other people take it first. So I'm I mean, if somebody said word. that to me, I'd be like, yeah. who are you and why is why are you offering this to me? I don't I need to see some credentials first. Well, let's just pretend that they have the credentials. Like they've got everything. You know, this person, they're a medical professional. They go, look, like who's my doctor. We've, we've got a couple like, of yeah. vaccines. And hey, you know, I'm more than happy to get you in front of the line. Yeah. Be like, yeah, let's do it. All right. Cool. Yeah, again, it, it just, it's an interesting discussion I think people are having. I'm not afraid of what's in it. I guess that's the point. I'm more just afraid of the long-term side effects of any of this stuff. You just don't know. Because what's going to happen in two years, three years, they go, ah, actually, that first vaccine that came out had some potential side effects that we didn't really see. And now we see them th- three, four years ago. I mean, look, I, I mean, I kind of compare it to, I mean, when we're comparing the virus to like, hey, this is a 9-11 every day with the number of people who are dying, right? Yeah. Like. It's sort of the number of people that found out they had serious lung issues after 9-11, five, ten years later, right? You just don't know. Time will give you the full information on all of this stuff. So you'll take it because it's going to help us all get back to whatever normal is supposed to be. Um, but also, like, you're right. I'm in a country where normal looks pretty good to me. It's about what it is. And we were, I mean, we had what? Le- is it, have we even had 100 people die of the virus yet? I don't even think so. I think we're like in like 20 people have died of this virus in this country. In New Zealand? Let's see. Yeah. New Zealand, COVID. 
There's yeah. maybe there's maybe 2,500 people who've actually caught it, right? And a lot of those people are people now flying back into New Zealand, so New Zealand citizens from other places. But I don't even think that we've had over 30 people die of this thing in this country. You've had 25 deaths. 25 people. And most of them are over the age of, cases. And I'm going to say most of them are over the age of 60, right? People who've passed away. Yeah. You got a spike, well, again, it's, it's just, Look at it's this. Just you, got, you're having, you, had, you had 10 cases two days ago. You yeah, but zero. again, they're all, they're all people in managed isolation. It's all people flying back into the country. But as far as day-to-day walking around, there's no community spread of the virus. Why don't you brag about it? Yeah, so we'll see. You guys be feel, the guinea pigs, uh, and when it comes in, we'll take it and uh, I get my you little feel vaccine. Pretty good about card. yourself, huh? Yeah. Did you feel? Did uh, you feel I like do. you're uh, feeling pretty good right now? I feel huh? Like I've made good life decisions. Feeling nice and safe. You got uh, you know, you just okay. Good. I'm glad. Glad you're happy. <laughs> glad you're and happy. Well, it's not uh, even the best country to handle this. I believe, like, like. Um, Vietnam is actually like one of the best or Taiwan. Taiwan. Like there's yeah. other countries that have done this even better with more. Taiwan's people. Taiwan's starting to, uh, something happened. I think they, uh, Taiwan COVID, I think they lost a little bit of ground, but it seems like they, they bounced back a bit. But even then it's like, I think their, their deaths have been like nothing. Yeah. Like you can count them just by looking on a chart. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven deaths in Taiwan. And how many people are in Taiwan is a lot. There's yeah. more than New Zealand, I believe. Yeah. And Taiwan has had a total of 759 cases. So Taiwan population is 23.78 million. <laughs> it's five times of New Zealand and they're doing It's also than- small, like Taiwan population, the density, population density. Dense. Yeah. 652 people per square kilometer. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. So so look, I mean, this is why it, I'm kind of like, it's just like we probably, the vaccine would have been good to get after everyone took this seriously and like chilled out, right? And like didn't feel they needed to go outside and actually took the lockdown seriously. And we just sort of did what New Zealand did, which is just like, look, we're going to go hard and go early and be done. And then the vaccine could have come at whatever pace it did, and then we can start to vaccinate slowly and properly. But because the U.S. and the and the you know and the Western world couldn't figure out that wearing a mask actually keeps you safe, then this is where we are. So now we got to rush to get this thing, and we'll figure out the fallout, right? Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be fine. And the and the difference, I, I just think it's not practical. I, I think you have to, you have to just jump into this thing. And I, I, I think it's safe enough now. I think it was practical in March, <laughs> but March yeah, the U S is just not going to do it. Like this, this country is just going to be fucked. So it's not going to do it. So you got to get the vaccine. People need to get, you know, I mean, same thing. That just, that just sums up America. Really? What's the quick fix. So I don't have to do what everyone else had to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is this, where even, even if I do want to take the vaccine right away, um, so this, this New York times thing, it's, it's an opinion, so it's not exactly exact science. It's an estimate. So you put in how old you are. So I do that. You put in, put in what County you're in. I'm in Kings County. You put in, uh, uh, are you in any of these professions, healthcare worker, essential worker, first responder, or teacher, none of those. And do you have COVID related health risks? No. So that's me, right? So here we go. Based on your risk profile, we believe you're in line behind. Do you want to guess how many people I'm behind across the entire United States? Across the entire United States? Yeah. 
Wow. How many people are in the U.S.? 365 million? 328 million. 28 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you are, you are, you're basically at the bottom of the list. So I'm going to say that there's 290 million people ahead of you. Oh, you're pretty close. 268.7 yeah. million people. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that at all. When you're, it comes to young, New York. Yeah. So keep in mind that it goes like New York. Uh, it goes by states, right? So New York has a population of uh, 8.399 million people. Wait, that's not right. New York State. That's city. No, the state's got more than that. That's the New city. York State has 19.45 million. Yeah. There you go. And it says, when it comes to New York, we think you're behind 16 million people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mostly everybody. Yeah. Because just because you're, you don't have any pre-existing conditions, you're healthy, yep. and you're under the age of 40. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I won't be able to get this thing until the end anyway. So unless there's enough anti-vaxxers out there, God, I hope that's not the case because these clowns. Oh, it's not only just anti-vaxxers. There's people who just don't – who everything I just explained – like put that to the next degree of like you said I don't know what's in it I don't it took too too fast are they trying to inject me with something that's going to be my like all the crazy theories you can think of there's people out there that definitely believe that stuff yeah well, yeah and uh you're not helping so now you now you're just throwing uh gasoline on that fire I don't live in the states so I follow what the government tells me to do here all right, fair enough. You trust uh, you trust that wo- that uh, your PM I trust there. that woman. <laughs> she's a she's a nice lady. I didn't vote for her, but I but I trust the fact that she does want to keep me from catching this virus. So. Well, you couldn't vote for her, right? I did. I I can vote. I voted, but I didn't vote. Oh, for her. why didn't you vote for her? Ah, because she's got some policies here locally that I don't don't necessarily agree with. Is she pro killing those uh, those things that you saw those people killed? Pro killing those things that saw the, what are you talking about? <laughs> Remember a little while ago, you said you uh, you saw these people uh, kill something with uh, with a hammer or something like that. Oh, the possums! Everyone's against yeah, killing. Yeah, the possum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So we got to point the possums. The possums got to get popped. Um, no. So, for example, she's like she she's not she's a centrist, right? She's basically Joe Biden, mm-hmm. like forty years younger <laughs> than Joe Biden, but she's basically Joe Biden. Because when it comes to like capital, again, New Zealand has no capital gains tax. Did, did you know that? There's no capital gains tax here. Did not know that. So when you sell a house, right, you keep all of the profit from that house. So the reason why the housing market here is such a disaster is because you've got a bunch of people, a bunch of baby boomers who bought houses when they were cheap, right? And so now those houses, so let's say you bought like a $400,000 house in Wellington in, two, in the year 2000, right? That house is probably now worth around $1.2, 1000000 And when you sell that, you owe no taxes on that when you sell it. So I would argue that you can make more money owning a house and doing nothing in New Zealand than actually working. Wow. And she's sort of been like, oh, well, I'm not really going to do anything about it because, you know, the people who vote for me don't want me to do anything about it. It's just Joe Biden, right? Or it's like, oh, well, yeah, those sure. people voted for me. And I know the young people are upset and I'm going to tell them, yeah, I see it's a problem and I really want to help you, but then do nothing about it. So she, as far as a, she's not a progressive, right? The progressive party here is the Green Party, and she's not a progressive. She's a centrist, and I tend to not really vote for centrist, just because it's sort of like you're more concerned about getting elected over anything else, right? You're not ultra conservative. You're not ultra liberal. You pretty much keep passing policies that are like half measures. So everything she's done is really kind of a half measure. 
And yeah, I think she's a great leader for outside of New Zealand. She's a great face for the country. But when you actually live in this country and you do see sort of the massive wealth inequality, and, and this is coming from someone who owns, who earns in the top 2% of New Zealanders, right? Brag. Yeah. And again, they're going to tax me. I'm going to get taxed heavily because she can easily say, yeah, I'm going to tax those people because yeah, top 2% of New Zealanders, but she's not going to tax the people making money hand over fist from you know owning 30 homes. Yeah, so that's interesting. That it's interesting that your perspective on centrists is that they'll do they do what they can to get elected. Absolutely, that is absolutely my perspective. I think Joe Biden's the same thing. He he tried to appease to as many people as possible, which means he basically gets nothing done. Yeah, well, when you say that she can do half steps or half measures, it's like I'll take I'll take half measures over nothing. It, but again, it just what shows lot, that what happens not, when you when you have these people that dig their heels in on either side. So I don't think that the problem is that the other side is always willing to dig their heels in and the sort of liberal side has this. I mean, again, look, it's the you see in the States, right? There's this battle between basically what you can consider AOC's party, which is just sort of these progressive liberals who say, hey, this, it takes too long to actually make substantial change. I want to flip the table over and make change. So again, you can agree with it or disagree with it, but they feel very strongly about the things that they believe in. And it's part of the same party that is Joe Biden, Obama. Cause again, my biggest criticism of Obama was that he was a centrist. Like he kind of didn't, like he just appeased to He tried to appease to everybody. And when he did that, he basically kind of was not able to get anything done where I believe that there actually is an appetite for more progressive thinking when it comes to things like climate change, when it comes to things like wealth inequality. Like I believe that there actually is an upswell of really progressive ideas but those people, like the simple fact that Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders' biggest flaw is that everyone thinks he's a socialist. Well, like, he calls himself a of, democratic socialist, which right, is not but, but good I'm, just, I'm saying, but everyone's like, well, he's a socialist, which means he's gonna he's gonna steal. And like, you don't have any money to steal. What are you talking about, right? But people just, and again, Joe Biden did enough to get elected. Do I actually believe Joe Biden's actually going to change anything? No, I don't. And just into our Dern's the same way here. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Any, look, I didn't have to nope. vote for. It didn't matter. She she yeah. got an overwhelming majority. She didn't need me to vote for. So I vote for the more progressive people so that way they can get into government because that's how it works here, right? Like a percentage of your – if you get over 5%, you get seats in the party, right? So your party gets seats yeah, like where you don't tend to vote for situation. individuals. Yeah, exactly. It's a parliament type situation. So like you, you want the smaller progressives to get in there so they actually have a voice. And actually, you say, hey, I'm pushing for these more progressive things. I'm going to hold the government accountable to make sure that your voice is heard, which is cool. I wish the U.S. would do that. Well, it's not going to change because it's perfect. That's how those old white dudes decided it was going to be over Absolutely. 300 years ago. So that's exactly. how it should be forever. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. Because that, that, that's those are the facts. Do not question the truth. Okay. It's the best. So let's move on to some news. Got three stories here, one which I've had for like two weeks ready to go. So it's not it's not new news, but I would like to talk about it. So here are the options. Talk about Warner Brothers. So you probably know what that's about. Talk about more about vaccines, but a little more fun. Uh, or we got something about flowers. What's the one that, that you've had two weeks ago? Was it the Warner Brothers news? Let's do that one first, and then let's do let's do vaccines last, and let's do flowers second. Okay, cool. All right, so reading from Engadget, 
all Warner Brother films in 2021 will debut on HBO Max, available for streaming the same time they hit theaters. You're definitely aware of this, right? Yes. All right. We just never talked about it. So I'll just read here. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned the world of cinema on its ear with active productions being curtailed, upcoming projects getting canceled, and theaters being abandoned. And I'll also add as a side note, Tom Cruise having some really fun uh, canned yes. audio recording. Yes, that was great. On Thursday. Less Grossman in real life. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. God, somebody, some people say that. On Thursday, Warner Brothers announced a radical and drastic adaption to our new socially distanced reality. The company announced that every single film it has lined up for release in 2021 will be made available through a, quote, distribution model in which Warner Brothers will continue to exhibit the films theatrically worldwide while adding an exclusive one month access period on HBO Max streaming platform in the U.S. concurrent with the film domestic release. We're living in unprecedented. So that's the end of that quote, quote, new one. We're living in unprecedented times, which call for creative solutions, including this new initiative from Warner Brothers Pictures Group and quote, Warner Brothers Media Chair CEO Ann Sarnoff said in Thursday's statement, quote, no one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know, well, I bet Disney does. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical. Ex- ex- Yo, you know who wants it more? AMC, the movie theaters, not you. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's AMC, the, the Regal. Anyway, we know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. End quote. The move follows the same strategy that the studio has employed with the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984 release scheduled for December 25th. That's in one week. Currently, Warner Brothers is only applying this decision to movies coming out next year, but depending on how the COVID pandemic continues to progress, could potentially be extended. Quote, with this unique one-year plan, we can support our partners in exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films, while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. And quote, Sarnoff continued, quote, We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to to these circumstances, end quote. At this time, Warner Brothers has not provided any details for the hybrid distribution model of their 2021 films. And this is the more important part. The following films are slated for release in 2021 through their specific release dates, though their specific release dates are still subject to change. Here we go. The Little Things. I don't know what that is. Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't know what that is either. Tom and Jerry. Godzilla vs. Kong. Mortal Kombat. Those Who Wish Me Dead. The Conjuring. Colon. The Devil Made Me Do It. In the Heights. Space Jam. Colon. A New Legacy. The Suicide Squad. Reminiscent. Malignant. Gross. Dune. The Many Saints of Newark. King Richard. Cry Macho. That's a fun name. And Matrix Four. So, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? Because I can tell you what, a lot of filmmakers aren't too happy about this move. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Why do you think filmmakers aren't happy? Or what's the what's the upswell from filmmakers not being happy about this move? Uh for the Nolans of the world, because Nolan came out, and he's like, "This is some bullshit." Sure, um, because Nolan believes his films need to be watched a certain way. Which isn't at home on your or on your laptop or on your phone, right? So yeah, but there was. I'm trying to find the. Um, 
yeah the who's the did they say anything about the dune director I, there was like somebody who said something about it recently um but yeah i i think there's two sides to it if you have somebody like nolan or some or people who are shooting in that tech because he's shooting in like imax tech sure so and, and very expensive it, like, 35 millimeter, whatever it is that he's shooting on, which is made for that kind of viewing experience. I get it. Right. I, I could understand that. Like his, his but movies can't be seen in a way that on, it's getting released in movie theaters as well though. Right. It's yeah. Not but here's it's both. Here's where I think directors are. This is where I think it's really coming from because if, if you were a creator, I think the first thing that's uh look, I, I make video games and I think they, the best thing that can be done is they're played. Right by as many people as possible. And in this case, more people will be able to watch these movies than ever before, which is great. Yep. But if you have a deal that's based on that, if you get a percentage of box office take, well, all of a sudden that goes out the window, doesn't it? That's what they're upset about. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted you to get there. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what they're upset about. Is that as far as like box office numbers and where you make your money, right? on the release and i'm sure that in a lot of these contracts it's based on once you hit this number x amount gets paid out to put to your producers and your executive producers and the people investing in your movies right so in order for christopher nolan to get a movie made he's got to go to a bunch of investors and say look here's the plan here's all of the things and he tends to do this based on the quality of his films and this is why i need to buy this ridiculous camera that shoots this ridiculous way because this is what i'm selling this is what i'm presenting to the world right versus basically telling them hey you know your your movie's gonna see, be seen on youtube it's basically what this is what they think it is right mm-hmm. like it's so different from 4k video on youtube that someone could shoot with their iphone and make YouTube content. To them, that's how they see it, right? Like, that's, yeah. Like, why am I spending all this money to, you know, millions of dollars on visual effects and millions of dollars on advertising and all this stuff just for some dude to watch it on his phone? Which you can do. And a lot of people will do it. But that's the choice. That's how a generation of people watch content. They watch it on iPads and iPhones. They don't necessarily go to the movie theater for this different experience, right? So, look, I think this is the way that filmmaking is going. This is, it's very similar to what the music, you know, right? The music industry, you know, used to be, you need to get a record deal in order to be found, right? As a musician. And a lot of these deals are predatory and they sort of, hey, you got to release five, your first five albums belong to me, all this type of stuff, right? And we're getting to the point where- A lot of Paul Giamatti types. Specifically with, with music, right? most of these kids making music now are doing it in their bedrooms and they're able to release their songs and they're able to put it on SoundCloud and make millions of dollars. And then they don't need a, they don't need a move. They don't need a music studio. They get one, but it's on their terms completely. Now for the film industry, it's always been a struggle because producing films, it takes a lot of work, right? It's a lot of people. You can't make a film in your bedroom the way that you can make an album in your bedroom. It's just different. It's a different medium. And I just think that this is going to show that the powers are going to end up going back to the studio for this type of stuff and away from sort of the directors and the actors because the overhead is just a lot less. That's the difference between this and because, right, the power has always sort of existed in Screen Actors Guild and Directors Guild and all these different sort of unionized workplaces for film. Now, visual effects is different because visual effects has always struggled with this sort of, you know, the, the bastardization of the craft, right? 
Because it's sort of like, yeah, like we don't like they'll move this thing into a different country. I mean, hey, that's why I'm in New Zealand, right? <laughs> like, like basically why. Hey, we make great movies in New Zealand. You don't have to live in LA to make a movie. And that's where we're headed with this. Like it just is. So I can see why the Christopher Nolans of the world would be a little upset by this. And I'm just surprised. I think the main surprising thing for me at least is the fact that AMC and these other big you know, the places, the people that own these buildings in this real estate ha- didn't see this coming. COVID accelerated all this, but it was headed this way anyways. Well, uh, kind of, because they were, AMC was doing really well. They were, they were really on a turn when they introduced those subscription services. Same thing with other, with other theaters as well. Like getting a subscription pass from a lot of people was bringing more people into the theaters than before. Right, but AMC AMC makes their money based on real estate. It's a real estate company, right? Like that's kind of what all these places. That's what Subway is. That's what McDonald's is. Like that's what all of these corporations technically are, which is why having a storefront is so important to them because they're real estate companies. AMC could have easily made a streaming platform way earlier that said, "Hey, when a movie is freshly released, you come to us. Whether it's in the movie theater." Or on someone's screen, we're gonna put we're gonna invest the money that says newly released movies go through us. And we're gonna strike the deals with the movie studios and with the directors to make sure, hey, you know what? All you gotta do is just give us the movie and we'll put it in and however you wanna see it, whether it's streaming through AMC, whether it's showing up to the movie theater from AMC, we got the tech to do it. Instead, they basically let Netflix and now HBO, Amazon, Hulu, and Disney and Disney Plus, they basically let the studios develop this when really it should have been amc it should have been regal it should have been united artists all these other places right should but again they're real estate companies they're not actually like they're not movie theater companies they concern about building and buying real estate that's it that's where they made they're their selling, money. They're, they're making their money on snacks and snacks <laughs> and again that's my that's my point like you didn't need like to streamline your business to go hey you know what you want to watch venom when it comes out you can watch it at home streaming through AMC, or you can show up to one of our AMC movie theaters. And then you can start making exclusive deals with, hey, you can only see this at AMC, whether it's online or not. And they missed the boat on this, and they're going to get crushed by it. Yeah. I don't think uh, movie theaters are doomed. I think they'll probably be – there might be less. But I think they're going to come back because the, that appointment and event viewing, it's like – it's a big difference between watching a movie like Tenet in a in a living room just no matter how good the set like i got a pretty good setup here i got a good sound i got good got a great tv it's not the same it's not the same it's not the same but also remember though me and you are very different we are people who can afford setups like this right and also we're people who don't have to when you go to the movie theater right it's not you and five other people or four other people it's normally just you you pay for yourself. You get your snack of your choice. You can get in and out of the movie theater by yourself for 30 bucks. Now, times that times four. Going to the movie theater is just less appealing, especially when it's movies like, hey, it's a Pixar movie. Why do I need to go watch Soul in the movie theater? Sure, right? I get better audio. But really, I can watch it in my house. It's a cartoon. And I can pause it. And the kid's got to go to the bathroom, and I don't have to take him out of there. The kid falls asleep. It's not wasting money. I can turn this thing, right? I get it for 24 hours. We can start it. We can come back. We can watch it at our pace with our family, with our own snacks. We don't have to spend a ton of money. And it's just a better model for long-term sustainability. 
It's not better for quality. It's not better. Again, we're not talking about those things. I think people are willing to sacrifice those. I mean, they've showed us that, right? They showed us with music. They showed us with YouTube. They showed us with quality. Like, people are willing to sacrifice quality for convenience. And it's always going to be that way. Yeah. From the food that we put into the body to the media that we consume, right? How fast I can get it and I can get it on my terms is always more important than the taste or the look or the sound of it. It just will be. So of these movies, because your movie theaters are open, right? Like they're they're open. Yeah, but again, if there's no movies being released, there's nothing playing in the movie theater. Movie theaters are open, there's nothing to watch. (laughs) But assuming all these come out in theaters simultaneously, which ones do you go to a theater to see and which ones do you stream from home? Uh, just visual effects movies I go to see. And that's just Godzilla. because in the Godzilla industry, versus yeah, Kong. Versus Kong, Wonder Woman, right? Like I'd Sp- go watch Space Wonder Jam. Movie theater. Space Jam. Uh, not so much. Dune, I'd watch the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, but like Tom and Jerry, I don't need to watch Tom and Jerry in the movie theater. Suicide Squad, I'd argue, eh, Matrix 4, probably like who even know, knows what that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be really strange. I can't believe that movie's even real. <laughs> that's kind of my point. Like, some of these things, like, I'm not going to rush to go see it. But, yeah, like, I want to go see Godzilla versus Kong in a movie theater. Because it's just the premise of it. It's these two giant things fighting each other. Let's go watch that in a movie theater. Yeah, as big a screen as possible. Yes. And you and you only got a 55-inch TV. And, it, again, that's the thing. It fits perfectly for me. I've watched a lot of movies on that TV. Works just fine. Yeah, but when you want to capture the size and scope of a giant of a giant lizard fighting a giant monkey. It's not sure. But that's not something I'm necessarily going to do over and over again. I'll watch that at home as well. Like, again, it's just, it's a convenience thing for most people and going to the movie theater when it's not convenient and you have a chance to watch it at home. If you really like it, right? Like if you watch a movie, you really like it. I'll go watch tenant again in the movie theater, right? Like that's not going to stop me from going to the movie theater unless your movie sucks. And then it might. Yeah. That's interesting. Only only one of the Wachowskis is involved with the Matrix Four. Yeah, yeah. I, again, someone someone's got a bunch of money to make that. I don't know why you're making that. I just don't. Yeah, they should have made a sequel to Speed Racer. That's what people really want. Yeah, Speed Racer is a weird movie. It looks it's great, great it's a, but it's, it's a odd movie. It's, it's a perfect movie. It's perfect. Speed Racer hits for the same reason Aquaman hits for me, and the reason is it's a great movie. Simple as that. You know, it's like if they if they made Speed Racer 2 starring Jason Momoa, it would probably be the best movie of all time. Would probably end time and space as we know it, because things don't get better than that. It's a troubling situation like that. That is the top of the mountain. But look, I just think, no, I think that these I think people like Christopher Nolan are going to have to learn to change. And maybe he doesn't. Right. But it's same thing with the music industry. Like eventually, these groups had to learn how to change. Learn that you make your money by touring. I don't think it has to. He's not going to change. I don't think he necessarily has to. But his his style might adapt and think about how to best make something for this medium. Or he could keep making this niche and know that the best way to see this thing is to see it in a theater and knowing that it's just going to be more limited. Because if he wants to keep making these big budget movies, he has to do it in a way that is recoupable otherwise no one's gonna that's fund kind it. of my point right or he's got to oh. fund it himself but that's the thing and you can have that version like you're gonna be you could have an artist right and they could say like a music artist and they could say oh yeah the best way to listen to this is on vinyl okay cool you're not exclusively selling this thing on vinyl you're gonna be able to get the mp3 as well right but that's and the that's point is that nolan sort of he's gone about i mean look the the release of tenet was a mess 
right? Kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed because he was so determined to release this thing the way that he mm-hmm. wanted to release it. He wasn't able to adapt. Yeah. He was the only one who wasn't able to adapt because, again, most of these movies are done. They've been done. Been done for a long time. And they're trying to figure out how do we release these movies because the strategy was, hey, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong. We want to see that in movie theater. Godzilla versus Kong has been done for a long time. No one's no one's actively working on that movie. It's in the can, just waiting Wonder, for Wonder it to be released. Wonder Woman's been Wonder done Woman's been done for year? probably about a year, I'd guess. Yeah, it was supposed to come out last year, I think, around this yeah. time. I mean, look the they, the what is it? The Black Widow movie, um, the Bond movie. All these movies have been done. They're done. Yeah, I've, the Bond one is the one I'm most. Give me that. I miss. I, I want that one, and I do miss the Marvel movies because I those were fun appointment viewings. Like, yeah, I get three of these a year. You know, it was like a, it was it was good. It was a nice little rhythm. It was good comfort food. And did you go to the movie theater for all of those? Hell yeah, yeah. And I and I'll go back to the movie theater once once they say I can go to the movie theater and I get and I got the uh, you give me that injection and I'm ready to go with whatever third arm I grew whatever I'm ready to go. That's my popcorn arm. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, look, this is I think you got to adapt. And it's one of those times where the world is going to change. And if you're not going to adapt, someone else will. Oh, well, where I was going with adapting and all these other things is that you look at a movie like Mank, right? I watched it. I was going to talk about it later, but just a little bit about it now is that that whole thing is shot to basically in this to look like it came from the, you know, from what, the 40s or whatever. When whenever Citizen Kane came out, that's what it was shot like. It was shot to look just like that movie. And the effect works. I mean, it, would that be better seen in a theater? Sure. But do most people want to go to a theater to see a movie like that? No. And and honestly, like it was so much so that they committed to the to the film effect that they even have moments of the movie where you get like that kind of film blotch. I don't know a, a word for it, but you know what I mean? Where you see like, like these the kind of spots. Of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you actually see that in the movie. Which it's a it's a little gimmicky, but it works and it get, and it and it's convincing enough where it's fine. Would it be better if it was actually played on film in the theater? Probably, but close enough is close enough is absolutely good and is more than good enough for the lowest con- common denominator of people, and that's where you're really making all your money. So it's a it's a sticky business. I wonder how much money they got to do this because if you add up the the box office that'll be required for that for that much like i mean you're talking about literally billions of dollars in revenue off the off the table from theaters if this was a normal year but again remember a lot of that's also global as well right so it'd be interesting to see what happens globally us dune again dennis villeneuve as good as that guy is as a director he is like a he is like anti box office. So he's complaining. He's one of the guys complaining about this. It's like, dude, none of your movies have made any money. I don't, I don't know if he's made a movie that's, that's even broken. Even remember blade runner. That was a box office failure. Good movie, but, but failure. Um, and Dune, I, I, it's obviously has its hardcore followers, but I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that movie would have tanked in box office as well, as good as the movie as it's probably going to be based on the track record. Matrix four, I could easily see that being a being a massive disappointment. But if you look at it as best case scenario, let's say domestically, Matrix four, Dune, Space Jam, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, right? 
That's a billion dollars in the U.S. alone. Yeah. That's so much money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But again, they also spend a lot of money on advertising. They spend a lot of money to try and get you to the movie theater for this. And what happens if you don't spend that money? What if your advertising changes? and You don't have to spend TV ads and those types of things, right? Or billboards and posters, right? It just changes your strategy. I think that there's just always an opportunity when there's new industry, so to speak. And I think this is what always happens. You hear sort of the old guys yelling, but there's some 16-year-old right now who understands how to present something interesting on the formats that they're used to that will become the next Christopher Nolan. Those people exist. And I think that's kind of the exciting part about creative industries, right? It can't can't just be Martin Scorsese for 70 years. Eventually, if your industries change enough, you should be able to breed new talent. And I hope that's what happens out of this is that you actually start breeding new talent. Especially more diverse talent, talent that actually looks different from Christopher Nolan. Right? Travis He's not the Scott's only guy that knows how to make movies. movies. Yeah. That's going to happen. Travis Scott's going to make movies. It's the only thing he hasn't done go. yet. And if Travis Scott can make movies because he understands he can go on Twitch and get a you know million people to watch him, hey, who am I to tell him no? No, go for it. Get after it. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some flowers. I got to send you some uh, visual stuff here. This is a bit of a long article, so. We'll stop when we uh, get bored. Here we go. Ugliest orchard. Oh, Jesus. Let's start from the beginning. Ugliest orchid in the world among 2020's new plant discoveries. New gardens botanist also named a new toadstool found at Heathrow Airport and a bizarre scaly shrub from Namibia. Okay. The, quote, ugliest orchid in the world, end quote, a toadstool discovered at Heathrow Airport and a bizarre scaly scrub have topped a list of new species named by scientists at the Royal Botanical Gardens at Kew and their collaborators in 2020. This is reading from The Guardian, by the way. The researchers said the 156 new plants and fungi helped highlighted the amazing diversity of species that remain to be found with the with the potential to provide new crops, medicines, and gardeners' favorites. One is a morning glory plant whose sweet purple tubers are already eaten by local people in the high Andes of Peru. Imagine that. It's like, like, oh my God, that's a new flower. It's like, what? We've been eating this shit for years. Yeah, it's like it's new to you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, to you. This is this is my snack. Well, great. We're going to give it a name and uh, you can keep on, on munching on that thing. <laughs> third of the new species of orchids but one confounded the fa- but one confounded the family's reputation for great beauty with rgbq calling it the quote ugliest in the world end quote the plant gastradia agnicellis was found in a national park in madagascar and its 11 millimeter flowers are brown fleshy and grotesque and are likely to be pollinated by flies do you want to try to describe this thing <sighs> it's gross. I, I can't describe it. It's like, I don't, yeah, is this like an unflattering picture, or is that really like? How- no, like, is this just a, a terrible picture? It honestly looks like if you were realistically going to draw the piranha plant from Mario Brothers, like if you made a realistic version, like a hyper realistic Ren and Stimpy version of that plant, it might look something like this. It, it looks like it looks like a colon, is what it looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it looks just like an upright colon cut in half, and it's not a healthy one either. It's just like it, it fleshy is a good word for it. It's just like it's just like this weird looking brown tube with like this even darker inside. It's it's disgusting. 
is it is nasty looking. I'm gonna have nightmares about this one. The orchid remains underground in the deep shade of a humid forest most of the time, emerging only to flower. But it has a quote a noticeable musk rose like scent. End quote. The scientist said, "Is that good?" What it says, musk rose like. I mean, probably not. Like that's strong. Like you think of musk, you think of. Does it smell like a rose? Well, it's rose-like, and it's a bit musky. Okay. It's, like okay. it's, it's, it's rose it's like adjacent. Rose. It's like rose with, with hockey gear, is what I think about. And that's rough. It's like funky rose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like rose in the sun for a little bit too long. Quote, in a difficult year, it's so thrilling to see botanical and and mycological science continue with a bumper list of incredible newly named species, end quote, said Martin Cheek. That's a fun name. And RGBQ, quote, there are some amazing new finds, each with their own unique qualities and potential for humanity, end quote. Okay, quote, however, the bleak reality facing us cannot be underplayed. With two in five plants threatened with extinction, it is a race against time to find, identify, name, and conserve plants before they disappear, end quote, he said. There were six new webcap toadstools named in the UK in 2020, all from a genus known to be important in supporting the growth of oak, beech, and birch trees. Cortinarius heatherea, that's close enough was discovered along the river on the boundary of Heathrow Airport by the mycologist Andy overall (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a joke and named after after his wife heather three were found heather overall (laughs) three three were found in scotland one in brighton and another in the in woods at barrow in furnace okay the strangest new species was a dwarf shrub with bizarre scaly leaves that grows in extremely hot natural salt pans in namibia its name Tiganophyton, okay, is derived from a from the Greek word tagini, tagini, which means frying pan. DNA and anal- analysis showed the plant is part of the cabbage order, but represents a completely new family. Such discoveries are rare. Oh, so you could eat it. Hmm. So what I'm getting? Yeah, I mean, I think you can almost eat any. Like you can eat the majority of plants, whether or not they taste good or not, is or poisonous, right? Would you eat that fleshy? colon rose thing i mean if you fried it up and it didn't look like it looks when it's alive <laughs> yeah i'm gonna fry it and then put some powdered sugar on it yeah but probably not no yeah that says it's nasty you nasty among the among the new orchids 19 tree dwelling species are from the tropical paradise islands of new guinea one with spectacular golden orange flowers and others having hair like tufts on their flowers i don't like flowers with hair it's weird Keep hair to mammals. That's kind of the point. A beautiful new brom- bromeliad discovered on the forest shaded limestone cliff in Brazil was one of the species already under threat. The scientists believe that the plant is pollinated by hummingbirds, but only 25 plants were found. And the extraction of limestone to make cement is serious, is a serious threat in the area. Another new species is a shrub related to blueberries found in Indonesian New Guinea. It's close to the world's largest gold mine. Man, humans just fucking up the world. Other finds include two new species of succulent-leaved aloe in Madagascar, which may have the medicinal medicinal benefits already known in aloe vera and a new herb from the med- medicinally important plant family 
Apocynaceae, okay, whose members are used to treat health issues such as flatulence, gonorrhea, paralysis, burns, and fungal skin infections. The herb was found in the Chirinda forest of Zimbabwe, but only a few plants are known to exist. One discovery did not involve scientists tramping through tramping through jungles or across mountains, but was found by searching online. The spectacular Tanzanian hibiscus was found by the Australian specialist Lex Thompson, who was studying online images of historic herbarium specimens. Sounds like a blast. The new plant has great potential for gardeners as it can withstand much drier conditions than the well-known hibiscus schizopetalus. So there you go. A lot of new plant discoveries coming up this year. Do you think this industry was affected by COVID at all? Probably not, right? No, I think they're they're affected by climate change. (laughs) Well, sure, but but as far as just running around looking at plants. No, I feel like you can do that solo, right? That's a solo activity. Yeah, but even together, you're outside, you're in the sun. It's like, all right, we're just gonna not not talk about this indoors. We'll we'll share we'll share our notes online. Otherwise, let's go out in the jungle, look at plants. We found this one yet? Nope. This one. Yes, this one. Yes, this one. Yes. <laughs> I would assume that's how that's how the process works. It's very scientific. Shrub related to blueberries. That's the one. That one in the um and the hibiscus one stood out. You probably make a good tea with those. Combine them. That's all I'm thinking about. With yep. plants. Anyway, there you go. Learned about a little ugly orchid. I'm gonna combine we'll skip uh Reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish, uh, and combine it with this story because it is political in a way. Let's go to Brazil. Reading from Business Insider. I hate reading from them, but here we are. Brazil's Jair Bolsonaro bizarrely suggests COVID-19 vaccines could turn people into crocodiles or bearded ladies. <laughs> this okay. guy is a complete nut. He's been a <laughs> climate change denier. He's, uh, you know, th- this is the guy that Trump seems to be a fan of for reasons because why wouldn't he be? And he's been infected and people hate him. I'm pretty sure they hate him. Then he's, he's a character. So here we go. Brazilian president Jair Bolsonaro. I probably pronounced that wrong, but whatever. Criticized the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine in a bizarre rant on Thursday. He suggested that the COVID-19 vaccine could, could result in people in could result in people turning into crocodiles, women growing beards, and men speaking with effeminate voices, according to AFP. <laughs> Bolsonaro, <laughs> Bolsonaro said, quote, in the Pfizer contract, it's very clear. We're not responsible for any side effects. If you turn into a crocodile, that's your problem. He continued, quote, if you become superhuman, if a woman starts to grow a beard or if a man starts to speak with an effeminate voice, they, Pfizer, won't have anything to do with it, end quote, he said. Despite launching Brazil's national vaccination rollout on Wednesday, Bolsonaro has insisted that he will not be vaccinated. He told the AFP, quote, some people say I'm giving a bad example, but to the imbeciles, to the idiots that say this, I tell them I've already caught the virus. I have the antibodies. So why get vaccinated? End quote. On another occasion, he said, quote, I tell you, I will not take any vaccine. It is my right. And I am sure that Congress will not create difficulties for whoever doesn't want to take the vaccine, end quote. On Thursday, Brazil's Supreme Court ruled that the vaccine would be obligatory, but Brazilians would not be forced to receive shots. How does that work? 
Bolsonaro has played down the pandemic for many months. In May, he referred to the coronavirus as a little flu. In July, he tested positive for the virus and came down with a fever. It took him three weeks to recover. A month later, Bolsonaro told journalists, quote, I knew I was going to catch it someday, as I think, unfortunately, nearly everybody here is going to catch it eventually. What are you afraid of? Face up to it, end quote. Last week, he said Brazil was the, quote, was at the, quote, tail end of the pandemic, end quote. Brazil is currently experiencing a surge in coronavirus cases. On Wednesday, the country set daily records for COVID-19 infections with over 70,000 new cases reported. A day later, the country recorded more than 1,000 deaths in a 24-hour period. Brazil has the world's second highest coronavirus death toll, only surpassed by the U.S., in one over 185,000 Brazilians have died from the virus since the start of the pandemic. We got you beat Brazil. Sorry. US number 1. Don't question it. Oh man, like these yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. It's just literally him being like, "Oh, you can't force me to do anything because I've already had the virus and I'm not going to force anyone else to do it either." But again, like you said, they're going to make it ob- ob- obligatory, but you don't have to take it, which basically means if you want to do certain things, you have to take this this vaccine. If you don't take it, then you can't do these certain things, whatever that means, right? Like you can't go to the grocery store. So it, they'll make it obligatory, but they won't force you to do it. Which is kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's obligatory that you you know, that you, you know, that you get a license. Um and if you don't, you can't drive. You can't drive legally. You can still drive, but if we catch you, you're going to jail. So it's going to be one of those types of obligatory, um, you know, suggestions. Suggestion that you should really do this, and if you don't, you're not going to be able to do things that you want to do. Well, they, they have, like, you only need to get seventy percent, seventy percent of people vaccinated in order to reach a herd immunity or herd mentality. If you're Trump and a moron. There's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it go so that's what you need. So if we can deal with 30% dummies, right. But it shouldn't be coming from the top. Like the same reason in that you don't want, <laughs> it's the, it's the same reason you can't have Trump being like noncommittal on taking the vaccine. Because people will sit, speak out of both sides of their mouth and say, yeah, let's uh, like, oh, yeah, he he he's the reason we have the vaccine. He's the reason he's the reason everything's uh, going to work out. He's the uh, you know, he's he's the if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even have a vaccine yet. It seems like the most anti-vax people are the ones who are Trump supporters. So it's like, which one is it? You can't have it both. Ways. Why couldn't Trump just say, hey, you know. Because I've had the virus, um, I feel like there's other people who need the vaccine before me, right? Like, let's say, even though he didn't want to take it, right? But yeah. couldn't he just say that and people would be like, oh, look at that. He's so he's so generous. He's allowing other people to get the vaccine before him. He'll never say that. But he could have, right? It's too, it's too intellectual. It's too, uh, it's too nice. He'd rather, his, his interpretation of that, like if you said, hey, Trump, go out and say this stuff. He'd be like, he'd be like, hey, Don, buddy. You might you might go out and saying this stuff, and he'd be like, he'd just completely warp it and yeah. say, "Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm already immune. I've got the immunity. You could get the immunity the way I have it, or you can get it through the vaccine. The choice is yours." And you'd be like, "Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, don't say that. No, that's bad." <laughs> but you could totally see him saying that, right? Yes. 
Yeah, and that's that's the problem because you can see Pence getting it. You got everybody in Congress getting it. Yes, you got Sanjay Gupta getting it. But Pence, this just shows how much people don't give a shit about Pence. Pence no, got the no, vaccine. And again, he's gonna he's gonna disappear into obscurity. Yeah, he'll try to run for president. You know he will. God, really? You think so? Absolutely, absolutely. He definitely has the ambitions for it. He'll be on that stage. You think you think the Democrats had a lot of people standing on stage? Twenty twenty four is going to be the biggest shit show of a of a primary ever. And Trump, if he's still alive, is going to be on that stage. And hell, his kids might be on that stage with him. Hmm. They they own these guys so much. Like you know you know how many people. There, there are very few amount of senators at this point that have even acknowledged that Biden won the election. Yeah, they haven't even they haven't even come out and said it. Like they and there and there's now people saying. So what happens next, right? In the process, because we've had the popular, we've had the vote, right? We've had the state certify the results. We've had the electoral the electoral college vote, right? Mm. The next step is that. The is that Mike Pence goes to the House, reads the votes, and then they all like vote to affirm this thing, right? And then the Senate does the same thing, I guess. Most people don't know this process, and I'm struggling with the details because it's never really mattered, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because normally usually, like, this just happens, and everyone's like, yeah, great, yeah. it happened. Usually you'd know the result after everybody votes, you know, people vote. That's usually how democracy works. And then that's it. You just let the rest of the logistical stuff play out. You know, you don't, you don't need to know the mechanics of, of how the sausage is made. You just know that you get sausage at the other side. Oh, right? again, I think more people have learned how politics works over the last four years because of Trump. Yeah. But now, now there's, but I guess if there's any, if there's any descendant voices in the Senate, or any objections to the turnout, to the to the results, then all of a sudden another process takes place. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I just, I mean, the simple fact that Mitch McConnell came out and basically acknowledged that this happened to me seems like a pretty good. But he had to like wait until the electoral college. Fair he enough. Come but out again, and we're there now, right? Like we're there with him at least, and he is he is going to become the leader of the party. Just in general, just because he is, you know, I don't think the Democrats are going to be able to take the Senate. I don't, I don't see that happening. I think they'll split it, um, and they'll still have a majority, which means Mitch McConnell is extremely important. Everyone's going to follow him. That's how I think that's going to happen. Like everyone's going to have to follow him because he will be the leader of the party. Yeah, I don't. Which is I all he. Think, I think so Trump he stays. Came out and said what he wanted to say. Yeah, but Trump again. Eventually, Trump's just going to disappear because Trump's going to. It seems like Trump is still going to have his own legal issues, and eventually, people are just going to stop listening to him. I mean, they kind of people kind of already have in a way. Um, like CNN doesn't like they talk about the presidency and what's happening, but they don't talk about Trump specifically as much as they did. Right? Like it's just reduced a bit because they're kind of like we I don't, don't know, have man. They he, but anymore. he's he's mainly talking about nonsense. Like now they're talking about the. Like the U.S. has been hacked by Russia, yes, and Trump finally broke his silence about it today, saying that oh now the media is jumping on Russia, 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 Russia. It might have been China, just like they, just like the, it, but it shows that we were hacked, just like the voting was hacked, and that's because I won the election. It's like this is what he came out to say. This is the first time he said anything about this this hacking thing. So, 
but again, he's still the president right now, right? But yeah. look, again, he's not the president. Who cares about what Trump thinks about a hack or about something that's being covered up by his administration? Nobody cares. Right, at that point, it doesn't matter. But now, now they're saying like he's starting to – like it went from a few weeks ago, inside sources were saying, yeah, he's, he's aware he's not going to be the president. He's done. And he doesn't really believe the stuff he's saying. And now they're saying, yeah, he, he believes that stuff that he's saying. And now he's saying that he might not leave on that day. Like, what happened? Could you imagine? Could you imagine, though? He's going to leave. He's going to leave. One one way or another. It might not be voluntary. He's not going to get dragged out. He'll leave way before even, like, he won't be there for that photo op of him getting on the helicopter. Like, he'll find a way to leave before. Like, it's Trump. Like, he does this this because he's trying to keep his brand relevant. That's it. He's just trying to keep himself. He knows that if he concedes, he's not really relevant anymore. So he's doing this. So every time he sneezes, someone decides to put a microphone somewhere. That's it. He's just tr- he's building his brand. He's he's finding out who his base is, which he already knows, right? He's finding out his diehard supporters, and he's going to market them. He's going to take more of their money. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's been raising hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, of course, because he's going to do other from, stuff. Trump, this is what Trump is in it in the first place. Yeah. Imagine a scenario where you did have to drag him out. He's a big guy. Like he is, Trump's Trump's not small. That's he's all he, big. He's, he's three. He's I mean, but he's old though too, right? He's like, fat. Like, he's like, just like kind of. He's just, he's just large. You know, he's he's a bit. I mean, how many times? How many fights do you think Trump has been in his life? I don't. I would say not many. Zero. I'm just wondering, like, what that looks like. If you literally, if he's not walking with people, and you literally had to drag him, how many people does it take to drag that guy out? About four. Four. And do you again, lift him up? Do you, got, do you drag him on the carpet or do you, do you lift assume, him up? I would assume, and again, like, that's for average people, but I mean, you get a couple of real yoke Secret Service dudes. You and need it. Two. two maybe two guys. guys holding the arms and the shoulders and one guy holding the legs. Do you throw him out like uh, like they threw Axel Foley out that window in the first? Or, or do you throw him out like, uh, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air style, style when they used to toss out jazz out of the door? Yeah. There's <laughs> options. A lot of options. Yeah. I think he'll walk out. I don't think I, I'm very interested to see because what do you do? He just sits there on the in the chair, cross cross hand, cross just, cross yeah. his arm to be like, yeah, he's not going to the inauguration. I think he'll oh, just he's sneak tweeting while he tweets like a madman <laughs> and he'll tweet. Oh, this didn't have as many people as mine did. And then he'll announce, you know, all the other stuff that he's doing. Yeah, he's totally again, running, he's, running in 2024 and he's starting a news network. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. Trump just cares about himself. So, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to him going away. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then looking forward to them blaming the Democrats for the same thing that the Democrats blamed the Republicans for, and we're going to just start this cycle all over again. The beauty of yeah. politics. Exactly. But it'll be a little more civil from the guy up top. We won't have to worry about, you know, some things, I guess. Yeah, but now you got to worry about the rest of the party coming out and sniping at Joe Biden for all sorts of random things, and then it's just well, that'll come from both sides. You're already you're already getting it. Oh, this cabinet's not diverse. Oh, this guy's not whatever. Hey, why isn't why doesn't Bernie have a seat? You know, there it's it's going to come from all where. Biden is not going to be a two term president. There's no way. I do worry about what comes next, but that's a conversation for another time. So enough of that shit. Let's move on. Get to a little media therapy here. Start with a question. I know you want to talk about the Mandalorian. This yes. was a suggestion from Greg. Who's older, Ming Na Wen or Paul Giamatti? Now, do you know who Ming Na Wen is? No. 
Okay, she is the the uh, the Asian woman in Mandalorian. I think the she's sniper. the only Asian woman. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I'm gonna say she's older, and I'm gonna say it's close. It's by like a year. Well, she is older. She's four years older than Paul. She wow. Wow. She looks great. I, I mean, I, and again, I was sort of being like, oh, she's older because, you know, it's a surprise because she easily looks like she's 10 years younger than Paul Giamatti. Yeah, she looks like she could pass it in her 30s if she wanted to. Yeah, late 30s, she could easily pass for. Yeah. Because just, just like black don't crack, Asian don't crack either. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So you just want to jump into talking about Mando? Is that is sure. that, is that what you I mean, I guess I can right talk. I mean, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen. I mean, I guess the other media, and we don't talk about books, really, because you don't read. I've been listening to Barack Obama's book. How is it? I, I bought the audio book, and it's just because it's him reading it, right? So it makes it more appealing when the author is reading their own book. You know, I might I might listen to it because, especially if it's Obama talking, because one, he's, he's just great to listen to. Yes. And- and two, uh, most of my podcasts aren't recording for like the next two weeks, so my podcast queue is going to be light. So this now, might be a, that might be a good listen. Now I'm going to say a few things that might turn you off. Right? Okay. It's 29 hours. Okay, it's fine. It's long. It's very long, and I'm probably about seven or eight hours in, and it starts off a little slow. Because it doesn't necessarily – I'm kind of right at the part where they start talking about him and the decision to run for – a little past the decision to run for president. But him basically in the, his relationship with Hillary, that's kind of where I am, right? So I'm probably about five or six hours in. Um, it's interesting because I am hoping – I'm interested in some of the thought process behind the decision-making as president. Because sort of his, his, his idea to run and where he was with his family, all that stuff is kind of known. I'm more interested about like the details of some of the presidency stuff, which again, it's 29 hours, right? So he's going to dive into some of the stuff I'm going to assume, but so far it's very enjoyable and it's extremely enjoyable because he's the one speaking, right? He's the one describing the book, which helps. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am um, for that. And then, yeah, otherwise it's a, it's a bunch of Mando. I've caught up on the Mando and I'm, I've watched the finale yesterday. All right. Well then before, I guess I'll just give a quick hit on what I've watched and played, and then we'll get into Mando. So then uh, <clears throat> I I watched Mank last week. Uh, I need to give that a rewatch, but I, I liked what I saw. It was very, uh, it was good. It was good talky, as as it were. You know, it's a, it's a drama. It's about the guy who allegedly co-wrote Citizen Kane with Orson Welles. Yep. Uh, and Gary Oldman is uh, just very good in everything he's in. So he good continues to be... He continues to be the guy here. People were really hyping up Amanda Siegfried in this movie, and she was fine. She was okay. She plays uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, mistress, and she was good. It was just, it, I think the reason people give her so much credit is because it was like such a subdued role where she's, she doesn't usually get these kind of, she's not usually in these Oscar bait movies, right. we'll call it. And I don't, I don't necessarily call this Oscar bait as much as it is David Fincher just making a David Fincher movie. This, this mm. does not seem out of the wheelhouse of a David Fincher movie. And his movies always seem to come out around this time, and he likes dealing with this kind of subject matter. So, yeah, I got, I got no qualms with it. I, it didn't feel egregious in any way. It was, it was just a, a good movie, story worth telling. It was fun. 
the the facts of the matter might be def- it's called Mank, so it's going to be skewed towards his side of the story, right. right? But the it would be cool to get a these are the kind of movies where I've said it before. I like to fact check after the fact, mm-hmm. and the history here is very murky. So when you're talking about audiobooks, maybe that's what I do. I look up, I look up some audiobooks to listen to that tell me the real story of what happened. Cause you know, this isn't the first movie about the making of Citizen Kane. And it does sound like there was some cool stuff going around with it. Have you ever seen Citizen Kane? You have to. I have. have. Yes, I have. Do you like it? Uh, it's okay. From what I remember of it, it's fine. Um again, like it's most of these like Casablanca. When I watched it, I really liked it. One of my favorite movies is Doctor Strangelove. Okay. Um, so yeah. So again, I, I went through a phase. I mean, I think everyone. I mean, everyone who enters the film industry sort of does this, right? When you're around me between the ages of seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you start watching some of what people consider the old classics. Some of them you love, like Vertigo is another one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and some of them you don't. So you're expected to be interrogated by all of a sudden. Yeah, Martin you expect Scorsese someone to go seen Citizen Kane. It's like yeah, exactly. Scene. Yeah. You, expect, you expect Martin Scorsese or the ghost of Francis Ford Coppola to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, I got a pop quiz for you. You're like, whoa, shit. All right, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I've seen all these. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, it's like if you don't know it, you'll never be – you'll never work in this town again, but it never happens. I How mean, racist worked, was the sound of music? I don't know. Really? <laughs> uh, I guess. That, <laughs> I mean, I've worked with kids who've not seen Terminator 2, and that makes me very sad. Mm. Yeah. You got to see those. Those the classics, right? Yeah, Exactly. Well, the other the other making of Citizen Kane movie that I that I actually liked. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it was like an HBO movie called uh, RKO Two Eighty One. That's with uh, hell of a cast in that one. Liam Schreiber plays uh, Orson Welles, and and uh, John John Malkovich plays uh, Menk in that movie. So pretty uh, pretty good that one. If you find a way to dig that up. It's not really streaming anywhere so it's it's a little tough to see so yeah mank was good and then i watched uh ma rainey's black bottom today yep okay and i was i was telling you about that yep. and it was good i i like i was telling you i'm like this movie's gonna win all the oscars i think uh chadwick boseman is a lock for best for best actor there is is he, no is doubt. he the main character or best supporting actor there's two he he to me is like the main character he's got the biggest arc in the movie because um, even he's got a bigger role than Viola Davis, who plays yeah. the main, who plays the lead, who plays the title role, Ma Rainey. And I, I'm not going to lie. The first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the movie, I'm like, I don't understand what this movie is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize it was based on a play. I didn't realize it was like fences part two. It's um, yeah, so, yeah. It's all based on, it's all based on performance plays of, you know, yeah, of that, black that stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Apparently it was part of like a, a a big deal with uh with HBO. So they um see so yeah, how this is the next in the list. Yeah. But it it was really good. It's really just a means to deliver um monologues and really great committed performances. And mm-hmm. as a vehicle for that, it works. For anything else, it's it's fine. It's good. Yeah. Looks good. Cool. Really, really sells the time period. Um but it's a lot of setup for this character to give a long spiel, and then the next character gives the long spiel, and then yeah, the next one, play, and then right? let's play. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, all right, let's do this note, this note, this note, monologue. This note, this note, this note, dialogue. Yeah, 
let's watch Viola Davis uh, just pound a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, check it out. It's good. If you have an interest, it's quick too. It's like an hour and a half. So it's not too bad. Oh, good. Good. Yep. Uh, real quick before we get to Mando, I did watch the new Charlie's Angels movie. I watched that. Oh, finally. And? Oh God, that movie was insufferable. Um, but was I right because- about about that one girl about the, the uh, non about the 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 black girl the, yeah. the english girl yeah yes yeah but, but it's just it's and you know what I, elizabeth banks is a is a is a i don't want to say a problem oh here we go um she's sort of she's found a way to sort of typecast herself in the movie she's in and the movie she's she directs they're all kind of the same and in this case, like they all sort of like it's just kind of hit you over the head with some of these things. It's like, why? Like, I don't need you to sort of hit some of these notes in every movie that you do. And it was just kind of corny. Like, I thought the fight scene in the end was actually good. Like, it was well choreographed. But like, Kristen Stewart was kind of annoying. And then the the girl who was the the tech girl was kind of annoying. And Patrick Stewart was just kind of was like, okay, like someone gave him the script and he kind of went off script. And everyone said, it's Patrick Stewart. We can't tell him not to do that. And it just, like, it just kind of felt like one of those things where I was like, I don't, I'm never going to watch this again. And I kind of hope that they don't make a new series out of this. And Charlie's Angels, as it is, is kind of dumb. Like it's always been kind of dumb. And they just, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was fine. I, I didn't hate watching it. I got enough enjoyment out of it. Yeah, well, good news. The movie did not do well in the box office, so they will not be making. Yeah, movie. I just kind of want to see Elizabeth Banks do something else. I feel like she's actually very talented at being a director. I just kind of want to see her expand outside of what I know she can do. Yeah, I guess I I'd, I'd take more Pitch Perfect movies over this one. Yeah, which and but even so, Pitch Perfect kind of turned into that by the third one. Like the first Pitch Perfect, she, is she great. didn't direct. Oh, she didn't direct the third one. She didn't direct the third one. Okay. So, yeah. So, fair enough. So, but again, like, I just kind of want her to do something else. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, by the way, that girl that I was talking about, is her name is Ella Belinska. And, yeah, she is gorgeous. Like, but that's kind of the point of Charlie's. That's kind of the point of Charlie's Angel. That's why. You, I that's guess. Why but nobody, nobody in, like, the Cameron Diaz one was, like, distractingly beautiful like she was. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So, or even, or even back in the day, but that's like a different, you know, there's different definitions of beauty <laughs> by generation. And this was a more, I would say this is a more modern definition than your traditional yeah. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Cause if that's, you know, if she's in the group, this, this one, like this woman is just like, okay, yeah, we'll just send her in. Everybody will stare at her and then we'll just do the thing we need to do. Yes. That's the plan. Uh, real quick on some games and then we'll get into Mando because we might spoil some stuff. So um, I finished Haven. That's the game where he plays this couple. It's a sci-fi game I was talking about last week. Finished it. Saw both endings. Quite good. If you got an Xbox or PC with Game Pass, check it out. It, again, I think it starts off quick. It starts off a bit slow, but by the time I got into it, I was I was on board. And then when it ended, I was like, oh, that actually came a lot quicker than I expected. And it really avoids a lot of the tropes that would drag on in other games like this. So it did a pretty good job of cutting a bunch of the fat and just getting out of the way. Um, otherwise I, I started playing dark souls on switch. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't 
know about this and whether or not I'm going to stick with it. I I suck at this game. That's kind of and, the point, though. Yeah, but they, yeah, they, these games, I guess, by design are intentionally obtuse. I was about to say, I feel like these, these this is not a game that you would like because I feel like you don't play games for the sake of them being difficult. I'll play. Like, I feel like you're kind of like, okay, this is this is stupid because now you're just making it difficult for being difficult, and you play so many games that you're not going to put up with that for too long. In a way, because I, I like games that have a challenge, but how the challenge is presented is different. Like I love Cuphead. Cuphead is a game built around that game's hard, difficult boss fights. I've I've played through Cuphead twice, once on Xbox and once on Switch, and the game's awesome. And I, but that's the kind of challenge that I could get with where no boss is more than two minutes long. Mm. And then when you die, it's an instant restart. And I know that it's just at most, I'm going to replay in two minutes. Um, Scourgebringer was a roguelike I played early this year, which was super difficult, um, but also a lot of fun and just really tight. And it goes quick and you kind of, things kind of change. You have this growth. Whereas something like Dark Souls is so obtuse in that it doesn't explain everything and that's by design but it seems like even things in the game are using jargon that i don't understand and mm. the first area you're in not the tutorial area that that was pretty straightforward but then the next area you go into which is the main world it's kind of this open world that you can explore it's very twisty and there's like all these different places to go so i go to the place that seems the most obvious and these things just completely wreck you and i was like okay this is weird so then i actually was talking to uh to some developers that i work with and they were like yeah you got to go down the stairs I'm like okay so i'll go down the stairs i didn't even know i could go downstairs okay cool found that then i go down this elevator okay this seems right there's undead people like they said and now i'm and then i walk a little further and then these ghosts and i don't have and i just swing right through them so you can't do anything about these ghosts so i tried that a few times and i was like okay well that's not working out let's try to find the next thing so then i go online and i see okay well what there's got to be something else I'm missing. They're like, oh yeah, there's another path you can go over there. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Go there. Now it feels like I'm making some progress. But the difference in difficulty here versus a game like Cuphead or Scourgebringer or even a game like Beautiful Joe is that this game will just like, you you basically don't really make progress like you do in those games. You can play like 30 minutes and lose all your progress. And you can pick up your body. But if you die on the way to that 30 minutes, which happens, then that's gone. That's all. That's all done. I finished one of the bigger demons in the or one of the bigger monsters in the game. It's like the first boss that I was able to kill. That took me a couple of tries, but I was like, okay, cool. I feel pretty good about beating that. Go a little bit further. Then I'm on this bridge and a dragon just kills me. And I was like, oh, fuck. So that was without hitting a save point. So I guess that demon's still dead, but. Now I got to go get my stuff, which is in this bridge, which is just going to be torched by the dragon. I'm like, cool. So does that mean I lose the progress? <laughs> There's some things you keep, some things you don't, but it's so obtuse and silly. I, I put a few hours into it already, so I might keep pushing it. I don't you're think I'm going to finish this game. You're not I'm not going to finish this game, but no, I'm happy I'm giving it a shot. Happy I'm giving it a shot. Sure, and then the other thing, not- yeah. And then the other thing is um, two more quick ones, which is I was installing, I started playing Call of Duty colon cold war colon uh sorry colon black ops colon cold war <laughs> yeah they're getting they're getting lengthy uh, on the titles here and i played the first mission of that game it's cool it's call of duty had a graphical bug uh so i had to restart the first mission so i played that twice uh but 
pretty good so far. Very, uh, very eighties, which I'm a fan of. I saw Reagan. He's in a cutscene. That's fun. <laughs> real, real quick. We should talk about cyberpunk because I don't want to spend too much time because I do want to talk about Mandalorian. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? On all of that media that's happening with that game? I've never seen a company go from the most goodwill to the least goodwill in such a short amount of time. Um, so this game, it was always meant to come out on Xbox, PS4, PC, you know, Stadia, others. But um, but the way they and they kept delaying it, it was supposed to come out in April this year. Then they delayed it to November. Then they delayed it to December. And well, this game was supposed to come out in like twenty. 20- no, April. Was this game, no, this game originally was announced. Like oh, it was announced five like, years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. This thing was announced, yeah, yeah. like in 2014, maybe. Even. Yeah, that's it, what I thought. This game was announced a long, a long time. time ago. So, like, sure, if they announced that it was going to come out this year, but originally this game was announced as in we're doing this. Yeah, a long but they never time announced ago. a release date. The first release right. date they announced was for April of this year. Right. So that's fine. I don't fault them for that. You know, take your time, do what you got to do. That. Yeah, especially in COVID, it happens even more, right? So fair enough. But the, the issue is that they everything they showed us from the PC version, again, fine, because you show the best version, and that's cool. But the gulf between the base Xbox One and the base PS4 version, and those consoles are seven years old at this point, okay? Yep. It was never shown, and they were so secretive about it. When they, when they delivered codes to review outlets, they gave it to them a week in advance of the release and they only gave them one code and it was for PC and that's it. So that nobody actually saw the it running on any Xbox, let alone a one X or a series X or a PS4 pro or a PS five running backwards compatibility because the way it is on Xbox one X and Xbox series X, PS4 Pro and PS5. It seems to be fine. It's still got bugs and quirks, but you look at base PS4 and Xbox One footage, this thing looks like a completely different game. There are textures that will just literally take 30 seconds to load in front of you. If you but you have to just stare and look at these people. Otherwise, it looks like they have an N64 texture. It's like a textureless body or uh or, or surface. It, it definitely pushed boundaries too far. And I don't think, and now what's happened recently is that Sony's delisted them from the PlayStation store. And that's not because of the game's quality. That needs to be clear because there are much worse games on the PlayStation store than this. The amount of stuff that's on the place, like the life of black tiger or flowers are dead, right? These are just two that come to mind, which are notoriously crappy games, right? Um, this is being taken off PlayStation Store because CD Projekt Red is just doing everything they could can to make the situation worse. Starting <laughs> with putting out a comment saying, if you want a refund on this game, you can get one. First, go to your store and then go to Sony and Microsoft. And if you can't get it from them, then come to us at this link. Okay. People tried to take them up on their offer. So CD Projekt Red, the publisher and developer, never actually s- collaborated or talk to microsoft or sony about that and they don't have that kind of refund policy i think microsoft might but sony definitely does not sony it's like you buy it and you own it nintendo's kind of in the same boat 
Um, they don't have something like Steam, where on Steam, if you play it, you have like two hours or so. If you played it less than that, you can return it. Stadia's got the same deal, but Sony doesn't. So why do they take them off the store? Because of that shit. And basically, the only way you can get a refund for something is that if it, if they want to keep that policy as is, is if something is broken. And the only way they could say, all right, we'll give you a refund then, but we'll give you a refund because it's a broken game. We can only say it's a broken game. If we say it's a broken game, we can't leave it on the store. Right. So one thing leads to another, and that's why that happened. But all those things add up, and CD Projekt Red is just looking worse and worse and worse with every step of the way, when really what they should have done is delay the game another six months. Instead of saying, coming out, when they delayed the game from November to December, look, I work in games. A month is not a lot of time. A month is gone like yeah. that. It's done. And even any fix you change, the, the time to QA it, especially in a game like that, who knows what you're going to do. When you start Frankensteining uh, you know, patches into a game and you just pile those on, it just makes things worse. Things so just start falling apart at the seams. Who would you blame for this, right? From a company structure, who do you think pushed for this to come out even though they most likely knew it wasn't ready is this a marketing is it shareholders is it directors is it like who is the blame for this if you were to pick one person i'm again i'm sure it's a combination of all of them right but if you had to pick one person who would push for this type of release to happen and for this to be the outcome who would that be it's got to be up top somewhere it's it's definitely coming from a management it's it's a management higher up that can touch that touches both the the release and the marketing because two things happened it's a it's putting the game out before it's ready largely because they wanted to get the holiday sales like there's no doubt about it right mm. and it's also the marketing issue because of putting out these rogue tweets without yeah. any sort of knowledge and just being like well just do this and it says that it shows that we're being good faith, even though it's in completely bad faith. Because right. to come out and say, we'll give you a refund if you don't want it, great. Well, not us, but they will. It's like, no, they won't. <laughs> like yeah. these are so it's definitely high up the food chain where both of those things can be. Because there were stories before about crunch with the game going on mm-hmm. and them really trying to crunch to hit this release date. So it's not it's not the programmers. It's not the artists. Yep, it's not the guys who are doing the grunt work. It's not all these guys. You know, if it was up to them, they'd put in uh, they'd put in their eight or nine hour days and be done with it. You know, take weekends and holidays and you know get the game done when it's done. That's it. people are praising a lot of uh, of Supergiant because that's their philosophy. Granted, that right. team is only like what ten to fifteen people. It's yeah, it's much easier for everyone to have a say and be very honest about what's happening versus CD Projekt Red's a big company, right? They're publicly traded, aren't they? Yeah, but CD, yeah, I believe so. And CD Projekt Red also had a took a little bit of a black eye to this week when they delisted a game. I think it's called is it Devotion? CD PR Devotion. Yeah. So there was this game called Devotion, which because CD Projekt Red also owns good old games. Hmm. And, and that's a pretty popular gaming platform that's yeah. like Steam. Yeah, but one of the big things about good old games is that they don't have PR, any right. Yeah. There's no, um, what is it? Um, DRM, right? DRM, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so basically, they said early. This is a tweet that they put out. Um, 
hi, we are Red Candle Games. Earlier, GOG has announced... Okay, sorry, this is uh, this is very in the lead. But basically, Good Old Games have released something on Twitter saying, after receiving many messages from gamers, we have decided not to list the game in our store. Uh, Devotion was originally delisted from Steam because it had some like... They, they were, it, there were some comments about uh, Xi Jinping. There were some like satire images about him being um, Winnie the Pooh or something like that. And this is, yeah, I know it's crazy, but uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the world we're in. So they took it down because any anytime you cross China, oh, back back the fuck off, right? So, but game, good old games come out and says, yeah, because of many messages from gamers, we decided not to list this game. It's like, are you kidding me? No gamer said there's there's a problem. Yeah. So now, so they but they took it off the game and basically lied about why they did it. Because I, I mean, don't need to tell you any more than that tweet to tell right? you it's a lie. Like again, there's a, I mean, a couple of gaming gig companies have stepped in it, right? Exactly. But none of, but like I guess, like you said, right? Like even when Blizzard made this mistake, right? They've got really goodwill, but they didn't torch it the same way that these guys have torched their. Goodwill. Yeah, and this is just another issue. You launched the biggest release of the year, what was expected to be like one of the best games of the year. And you you deliver it on PC. Like the PC scores are great. Like it's 90%, uh, 90, 90% Metacritic, which is great. Your console versions, like IGN gave the PC version nine. They gave the Xbox one and PS4 version a four. But they but they but they redid that, right? Like that was part of the problem that people were upset with as well, was that they only reviewed the PC version and then everyone mm-hmm. sort of got pressured. That's what they had, that. and they were clear. And in the review process, not only did they I forgot this bit. In video reviews, the the reviewers were not allowed to use any recorded footage. They could only use footage provided by CD Projekt Red. They they set this thing up. If they were transparent about this, then it would have been fine. Or even if they said, we'll release the piece. Like, I'm not a fan of staggered releases, but if I would have completely understood if they're like, yeah, PC version's coming out because we need to get this out but for our you know financial reasons. But the the console version, you guys are just gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Why? Because it's a shit show. We need we need to optimize this, and we don't want to ship a bad product. We have a good product on PC. We got a bad product on. Yeah, console. I think people would trust them more. They'd be upset about it, but they would yeah, trust exactly. the fact that okay, well, look, you guys are trying to create the best product, and I think you'd get more people to buy the PC version, right? Well, I'll just buy the PC version, and then I'll buy it again when it comes out on Xbox, whatever, right? Like that's yeah. But I, I mean, look, I just see it from afar. I. Only thing I knew about this company is that they made the Witcher games, and I was like, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's what they're that's what they're known for. Witcher three right. was is what brought them all the goodwill, and I think honestly, like people are so down on them now. Uh, by this time next year, Cyberpunk is going to be a great game. I stand. Yeah, by but that that, that happens I, a lot. Where someone, mm-hmm. I mean, what was it? The, the 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 space game, No Man's Sky, that apparently is great now, right? Because they well, took the time and actually like fixed the issues and really listened to their community. But that one's a little different. They overhyped that game for what it was, and people assumed it was something it was not. Right. I mean, there there was a lot of the marketing machine really rolled on with that thing. And as they built up the game and supported it with a lot of free updates over the years, it became what the original expectations were. Mm-hmm. This one is, but it was never broken. This game is broken like you got to look at some of these videos it's bad it's, it's bad it's wild like from texture popping to you know level of detail issues to character issues to shadows to like it just looks unfinished yeah and i bought it i bought the game for xbox and i'm i'm not planning on returning it i took the plastic off but i didn't take the seal off so i probably could return it but 
I'm waiting. I mean, I, I think you asked me a couple weeks ago, like, am I going to play? And I said, I'll wait for the Series X patch. This is a game that I want to enjoy. And I want to play it the way that they're that it's intended to. And right now, it, I don't have those means. So I'll wait and I'll play it. And uh, I hope it's great at the time. Because when I hear people talking about the game and everything it does and all the mechanics of it, it sounds awesome. It's just not optimized at all. Yeah. But that's what happens with these ambitious games. So, yep, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about Mando. Yes. All right. We might spoil some stuff. So yeah. go and watch it. You have Disney Plus, I'm sure. So go watch it. If you don't care, then keep listening. So what do you think of the ending? Um, so I want to talk about the series first because I hinted at it, right? I had a bunch of episodes left, right? The last five episodes, right? Eight, eight season, uh, eight season, eight episode season. Sorry. Yes. Right. So the first three episodes were a lot like what you got in the first season. So not bad, not good. Just Monster it is week. what it is, right? Monster of the Week, flying around doing stuff. Mm-hmm. The four episodes after that are probably the best Star Wars I've seen since Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Like, it was excellent. great. It's it was excellent. it was it it had it had everything from the explosions and the Star Warsness in it to the dialogue and the characters and a bit of, you know, a bit of fun. Um, a bit of mystery, a bit of all the stuff that made Star Wars great, right? Great set pieces. I mean, I mean, look, like, even when you can put Bill Burr in your series and it's fantastic, his character's great, is pretty good. Or you can put Rosario, Rosario Dawson as this character that everyone talks about as in some other Star Wars thing that I have known nothing about, but it's yeah, still great, Star right? Wars. It's fun to watch. Yeah, Whatever. Rebels, I think, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I, I was pretty high on this, right? And then, like, even so, like, the last episode felt like you were watching a Star Wars movie. Like, is that yes. good? We were watching, like, this isn't a TV show. This feels like a movie. Yeah. Directed by Peyton it's Reed, cool. by the way. Director of Ant-Man. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, which is which is great, right? Like, you're watching, you're like, this is fantastic. This is amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to say that I dislike the way that it ended, right? Because it, it's fine, right? I'm with you. Yeah. But Star Wars has a problem. Yeah. Same problem we talked about last week. Yeah, Star Wars' problem is that it can't get away from the crap written 30 years ago. It just can't. For whatever reason, it can't just... And again, I think it's tried through, like, the books. It's tried... Like, Star Wars has tried outside of television and film to, like, create its own universe, right? Because Star Wars on its own, like, planets and races of creatures and, you know, all these little wars in between the big things that have happened of the destruction of the Death Star, just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's just something that just you talk about, but we that doesn't involve us, right? Like, that stuff that just happens in the universe and we just hint to it, but it doesn't drive main storylines in some other mediums. But they've now... They've now done the fan service thing. We're now, again, the Kennedys matter. And that's what this is. That's what the Skywalkers are. They're the Kennedys. Like, you don't really care about a lot of the Kennedys, but they keep shoving them in your face. You're like, it's another Kennedy. Great. But it's, it's not Skywalker. even that. It's not even it's that. Like, it's like, hey, let's put JFK in a movie about the 60s. Yeah, it's it's like, the, why, why do we care about JFK? One. It's the same, same guy. So, again, if you don't know what happened and you need to watch it, stop this now because we're going to spoil this. And it's basically, right, the whole Mandalorian thing about trying to save the kid, right? It's a great storyline. The connection between, you know, this masked dude, this masked bounty hunter and his connection with this being that he doesn't understand. And they're from two different worlds apart and they connect a bond. 
And then in the end, Luke Skywalker comes in with his big green lightsaber and basically just dismantles the whole need for any of this. Of like, oh great, yeah, Luke Skywalker's back and he's unstoppable, and well, he's going to take Baby Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's going to take Baby Yoda and he's going to make Baby Yoda into Big Yoda and or to the next <laughs> Big Yoda, right? Like that's what he's going to that's what he's going to do. And you know, and look, I, I thought the CG was fine. You could obviously tell it's not it's not Mark Hamill forty years ago. Fine. And it, it served its purpose. And then, like, the R2-D2 thing at the end. Like, enough with R2-D2. We get it. Like, we get it. So, like, can we get away from the Skywalkers, please? Could Mando not just live on his own? And I think he could have because of how great those previous four episodes were. You didn't need this. And yeah. I'm wondering of, like, what's next? Because you've kind of blown up the whole purpose of this. I would have been happy with them to find Luke Skywalker for another seven seasons of this series. And I think it would have been fine, right? But they've kind of they kind of blew the they blew the point within the first two seasons. So what the heck are they going to do now? I don't know. I actually searched like whether or not season three even is a thing that's announced, and I don't know because like the whole connection was because episode one introduced Baby Yoda. So at the end, it was this, it was this this ba- this futuristic bassinet that had Baby Yoda. In. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that disappeared in episode four. Got eaten by a giant worm thing. So that yeah, I I'm with you. I don't think we need a season three at this point, but they'll probably do it because John Favreau's involved with a whole bunch of shit. So how much time I think we need to stop with this need to constantly make new seasons of a thing when it's done and leave yeah, well enough this, alone. I'm happy with this just being done and we move on to Boba Fett, right? Because you brought yep. Boba Fett back and that's everyone's, every Star Wars nerd, their their favorite character is usually Boba Fett, right? Which is weird because he did nothing. In the, he did nothing. <laughs> he, got eaten by the, he got sucked into the pit and that was it, right? He looked cool. He went out like, went, went out really lamely. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> he went out the way Bane went out, really. It was very similar. Uh, like yeah, a little bit, but you're just but like oh, wasn't well, that's- accidentally shot. Boba Fett no. was like accidentally pushed over the edge by a blind Han Solo. Like that's, I believe that's how that ended. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was not great. But otherwise, right. he just so kind of stood around. Boba Fett series, and again, I just thought the Mandalorian was and that so- looks dope. That this setup for that looks dope. But this was one where I'm with you. Like this is the problem I pointed out last week, where everything feels so small, and when you see this this cloaked Luke like wrecking shop through this ship. I'm like, this looks dope. But once I saw the green lightsaber, I was up until that point, up until that point, I was like, please don't be Luke. Like once the X wing showed up, I was like, no, is this what they're doing? Oh, great. A single X wing. And I'm like, Oh no. Like, Oh no, we're going to, we're going to do something. Cause it could have been anyone. It could have been anybody. It could have been, Ashoka again, you know, who we have context of in the show. It could have been some people were saying, oh, it could have been the um the guy from the game that just came out. Um the guy from uh, Jedi Fallen Order. That dude was awesome. Played, yeah. It would have been the game's great, but it would have been great. Like that's a really cool Star Wars story because you don't really get much of any of that connective tissue either. And so that would have been great. You know, see him, give him a role because that's played by an actual actor. But there's there's other there's also people who I've never even heard of. That would have been cool because then you have more mystery in future seasons. And you don't have to look at a CGI Mark Hamill because it's going to be weird if they keep this going and CGI Mark Hamill's a thing. 
It's like, no, we'll just get it. All right, cool. He's in the he's in the school for Jedi's or something like that. Or he takes him to Big Yoda and or Yoda Ghost or whatever the fuck he wants to do. Who cares? But that's the thing, is like the the ending was kind of it put a good bow on it, but it did it in a way. It's it's the Deus Ex Machina I that why. I, just I didn't know think why. it needed to happen. Yeah, I just don't know why. Like again, the whole point of this show is this bounty hunter with this kid. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole story of the show. That's it. And it's the adventures that they get into as he tries to find out what to do with this kid, right? Because it's not even so much that I got to take this kid. It's like, I just have to return this kid to whoever he belongs to. And through the returning of this kid, I come upon these cast of characters along the way. And you easily could have milked this for another four or five seasons and everyone would have been fine. And you slowly develop Baby Yoda's powers and, you know, the whole force thing of this guy who just thinks the, the force is sort of this mythical, you know, nonsense, right? Because that's how everyone sees the force. as It's kind of like yoga. It's like, does that really help you center your spirit? Like, do you really like the chakra stuff? Is that really true? Or is it just kind of not like that? That's the way Jedis have always been seen as really. It's like, well, this is just kind of some nonsense thing. It's like the force be with you. It's like saying namaste. It's like, whatever. It's like, you're not Indian. Like, you don't really have any. Like, that's how it always felt to the world of Star Wars. And so when the when the Mandalorian starts talking about like he's got some powers, but I don't know what they are, like the fun you could have had with sort of explaining the force to this, you know, to this other group of people who have no idea what this thing is really would have been great. And instead, you sort of just like Luke Skywalker has to come and stick his big green lightsaber into the fun <laughs> we were having developing <laughs> developing other Star Wars stuff. And that's what I don't like because we were developing new stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, let's develop Boba Fett. Hey, maybe maybe we're going to develop Lando and we'll start doing some of these crossover things. And it's just fun because it's showing us Star Wars without Jedis, right? And which means you can do anything. And you can have a little bit of them, but it doesn't have to. Why him? Right. Like, like, why that guy? Had was Baby Yoda. You keep giving he us new characters. Yeah. And instead now it's just like, okay, well, the Jedis are the unstoppable force that is always going to come in and ruin Star Wars. We're always stuck with yoga. It always comes back. To, I mean, even with even with the Star Wars movies, right? Like, it was kind of fun thinking, like, this guy's got a lightsaber, and he's not really a Jedi, and the Jedis are this mythical thing that kind of exists. And then at the end of it, what is it? Lightsabers everywhere. And, oh, I'm Palpatine. Like, it's just that crap where it's just like, can we get away? The Jedis have ruined Star Wars. Like the, the the fun that you could have building out just weird creatures and weird planets and weird things. It just always like you said, it makes it feel small. We always come back to the Jedi. And Plus like, you oh. already you already had the that Darksaber thing, right? Like that that thread kind of disappeared. They because you if that was really a solution, why couldn't they end it with keep the season end ending ambiguous and be like, hey, Mando, you got that sword. Like you can use that. Yeah, and now and you're the king through. of the Mandalorians, and now people are going to come after you because you're the king of the Mandalorians. Like you easily could have just gone off on this tangent of just Mandalorian stuff. And Baby Yoda's here, and he adds a little bit of brevity. And there's always the the mystery of the Force that surrounds these two because you got this Baby Yoda character. And they just again, just Luke Skywalker came in and just put his lightsaber on the table and. Okay, yeah, yeah, great. Luke's unstoppable, and we had to have him come in with the hood, and you know these these dangerous mechs that no one can defeat. It just kind of like he wasn't even doing anything special. He's just swinging the lightsaber, right? Just kind of was like whatever. Feel like Um, uh, I'm getting I'm getting some strong uh, innuendo from this. uh, (laughs) But that's what it feels like. You keep keep saying big green lightsaber. You just said put the lightsaber on the table. 
it's You're just saying, like enough of Luke and Luke kind of like yeah. out of a whole like it's just whatever. Like again, it's just I'm just frustrated because Star Wars can be so much more than than Luke and Leia, and it just always comes back to that family. And it's just like a nut. Like this is a giant. It's a giant universe, and we're stuck with the Skywalkers. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can't. I can't disagree with you. I, I am not. And again, I, I really loved it. I still thought the whole thing of Mando fighting, um, fighting Gus from Breaking Bad, like all of it, like fighting the Chicken Man. And then, Esposito, that guy is awesome. He is so yeah. good. Oh, and then you got the court, and then you got the ladies brigade where you got like the two the two female mandos and then you got Gina Carano with this giant machine gun and then you got the sniper like it was just fun right like this is fun this is great we got the ladies involved we got baby Yoda and we got Mando and they're doing their thing and then we'll be squatting just, through the uh through the through the halls of this ship yeah it's cool um, and then Luke it, just shows just he just pulls out just enough to win. And they were like, it was we weren't it wasn't a contest, Luke. We know you're Luke. Put it away. And he couldn't. Did that other woman, the redhead, did she die? Or did she that was kind of ambiguous too, right? Because she was no, well, shot. Yeah, I mean she's she's wearing yeah. armor. She's just kind of shot in the chest. Like she's probably fine. Like, who right? knows, right? But like who knows what happens to Giancarlo? What happened to his character, right? Cuz he he was very obviously he knew who it was like in his face. You just see like, "Oh god, we're I'm screwed." Right? Yeah. But like what happened like that entire storyline you could have just milked another 2-3 seasons out of him having to fight random Mandalorians because he's the king of the Mandalorians. Yeah, and- like that they set up this cool conflict where I'm like, "Oh shit, she's going to be the bad guy now." Yes. This exactly. Is, this which is, not- right. which again, she still might be. But now you sort of rip the baby Yoda fun out of it. And it's yeah, kind of like. I, exactly. Because you're. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seemed unnecessary. It was like hype for the sake of hype. And for me, it was like you already set up all these dominoes. And then you just did this other thing where you're just like you didn't. By thinking that you made by appealing to fan service so hard you undermined everything that came before it. And I think that's the, Boba that's the Fett issue that was you're enough fan service because the simple fact, the way that that episode started, right? Boba Fett was the distraction. He, and he takes was barely out a character before the series. That's what I mean. He takes, he, he knocks out two tie fighters and then he zooms into, into light speed. And then it's like, okay, great. He's done. And now we're going to go follow that somewhere else. Right. That's going to become its own show when he zooms off in light speed. And you can easily just pick up his show there. Great. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like now they just kind of upended the Mandalorian because now I'm sure that this whole conflict of him with his sword and his blade still exists, but forever it's going to just be, this was, you know, baby again, it was about baby Yoda was like the, this is the cute mysterious thing that we all love, but we're here for the Mandalorian because he's cool. And now you've ripped out half of the reason why people care about this thing. And sure, like we'll probably have the man, like that whole storyline will probably exist, but you kind of completely just defang the reason, the motivation for the Mandalorian at this point. Like, what's his motive? You're gonna have to make up a new motivation for him. Which, and again, you, you kind of have to trust John Favreau and hope that he's oh, got. Okay, yeah, definitely. You gotta. I mean, that's kind of the saving grace. You hope that he's got his handle on this thing. But my fear is that Disney comes in and goes, "Hey, we gotta add Mickey, right? Because we're Disney." Like, well, it's Star Wars, so we gotta add Luke. Pick pick one. Either Luke or Leia <laughs> or Darth Vader's whatever. Yeah, whatever. You left. know, you know for a fact 
that this this Boba Fett series will not will not go through its first season without seeing Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, and that's the problem. Like, why like he's going he to be to. in it? He shouldn't be, but he's going to be. He's gonna be in it, and like at some point, Jabba the Hutt's cousin or something's gonna show. Like, it's just that crap. When it's like, let those movies just be on their own. Why does everything have to be connected to this very small world that you built when you could really just make up random stuff? And I think people would still love it. And that Star Wars doesn't have enough faith in what it's in the universe that it can build. It just doesn't. It doesn't have the faith in it. Like, and I would assume like this, like, right. The reason why the comic book crap works with Marvel is because they've got 50 years of of data, right? Star Wars doesn't have that. They don't have that from the 50s base of of everything from six movies. Yes. Everything is built off of, it's really built off of three movies really at this point it's built off the first three movies from the late 70s and 80s and we're going to keep rehashing those yeah same but they're things. pulling shit from the prequels now as well like this obi-wan kenobi show that's also going to have uh hating christensen like which is crazy but <laughs> people are seemingly stoked about that yeah these are these are Again, actual star, wars, star wars fans they can't get out of the fan service they can't do it and it, I, think I don't it even hurts. think star wars fans want this it's like you know that because they were all on board with this they loved it they love seeing these kind of more obscure characters i don't think they want this this is this is marketing calculations it has to be i don't think john favreau was like yeah and then luke shows up it's like <laughs> why 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 does he show up i mean i i could kind of rationalize it from the plot perspective you know you put you put yoda in that big tube thing on the mountain right and you figure because that's meant to signal a Jedi to show up, but that's what I'm saying. It it didn't. It could have been anybody. It didn't have to be Luke. I mean, <laughs> but, I would have taken. I would have taken. Um, doesn't can't you get like Samuel Jackson, or was he dead by then? He's dead, he's but nobody's really dead. You know, like that's that would be cool if all of a sudden somebody walks in and you scream, "That's right, motherfuckers, I'm back!" And then you see that purple lightsaber, and he just goes to town. Like, yeah, that'd be amazing. But you imagine what, if you're gonna do fan service. Don't give me Skywalkers. Give me other obscure second tier things and then build a new universe out of that. To me, the Skywalker story is just over. Like, I don't we don't need to keep bringing it up like the the new movies, like save the Skywalker stuff for the for the big movies. Right. And I feel like they kind of ended that. We're done. Right. We saw we got to see Luke and he's he's a recluse and he was building this school and he had a student that went nuts and all. Yeah. yeah like that's like that's done. Like, can we leave that alone and just build new stuff? But we can't. For whatever reason, we can't do it. So this this is my second biggest disappointment in the series. My first biggest disappointment, and I'm I'm happy you're now done with it so I can mention it because I bit my tongue hard last week, was that Bill Bird just kind of left and went to the woods instead of joining the team. I really thought he was going to stick with the team. I know he's he's going to come back. That like that's the thing. Like they'll yeah, find him somewhere else, and it's yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds we get a Mayfield show or movie standalone? Very come slim. on, very Damn. slim. That'd be Bill, great. Bill How great would that be? Character, <laughs> he's not his own thing. Again, oh, you know I he do it. Him. Again, I I really hope that they don't mess up the Lando series because I really just want heat. I just want a casino show. Just show me a show of like it's like running a casino and he's like a pit boss. Like just give me that and then have Bill Burr show up in that. Like it's you it's fun. Like just, just make it like a fun. Like, but again, they're gonna end up. There's gonna be some overarching thing and then you know we'll get Han Solo. You know, Adventures of Han Solo will cross over and then Leia will show up 
And it's like, enough, like enough. We get it. Leia, Leia's got the force in her too. And whatever. Like, I, I just kind of, I like, and this is why Star Wars why it makes me just frustrated because I think the idea of Star Wars to me is much better than what they actually produce most of the time. Like yeah. the idea of this space opera of like aliens and different worlds and all of this stuff is so cool and they kind of just keep messing it up. Yeah. Well, it's like I said last week, if the more you kind of run into people, you know, the smaller the world, the more this feels and it's supposed to be a galaxy of many planets. So the fact that you keep coincidentally running into people that you've seen over like a cast of 10 people. It's like, wait, how big is this really? Are we just, are we just doing this whole thing in like Hawaii? Like what's going on? Yeah. Like tiny island has the ability to like even bring earth into this at some point. Right. Like there's so much possibility to just show that it's it's a, it's a galaxy far, far away. Right, but you could still, again, like you could build enough of a universe that anything is possible. Like you can really just do what you want, and they can't because they're always tied to the freaking Skywalker family. So you can't. And they just keep pigeonholing themselves into this. I don't know why. I made the same point last week. I'm going to say it again. This is exactly what Ryan Johnson tried to break away from with The Last Jedi, and people lost their shit. He tried. that's, That's the problem. But it's just a simple fact that anytime you bring in Luke Skywalker at all, it's just, ugh, it's just, but we he gotta, killed it, him. He kills him in that movie. Yes, he's, he's like, it's, it's over. This shit's over. And then JJ comes in and he's like, don't worry. He's fine. And here's the emperor. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop. He fixed it. It's cool. I like to think that this is a, and again, I don't think it's necessarily, a, I think Disney has just doubled down on this. Because I think this was like, this was George Lucas's problem, right? He couldn't get away from this. And Disney had the opportunity to do it, and Disney doubled down on it. They're like, well, your your biggest your biggest selling point here to us is, uh, is the Skywalker family and lightsabers, right? That's how we sell toys. We sell lightsaber toys. Yeah, Let's George, just keep George, doing more of that. And then it's George, like, oh. George Lucas is just a... Uh, He's just a good idea guy, you know? Yeah, because, like, for example, right? Like, the reason why Rogue One is one of those movies that I think people like, they they like it more than they were expecting to is because it's just got a hint of it. And even though that's got a lot of fan service in it, right? Because Darth Vader comes in at the just end. Just the end, but that's that's because it leads into the, the first movie. It makes perfect sense. Right. But, like it, but it, again, it literally it's, tells the events hey, that lead up to the start of the first movie. Yeah, it's like, hey, they're, they're building Death Star. Let's get the plans. That That's enough. But like this is literally like, oh, they're screwed, and how are they going to get out of this? And Luke Skywalker comes in and swings it around, and okay, yep, well, now we got to look at it again. Yeah, well, despite all that, I still enjoyed it. It was a great. I season. enjoyed it as well. That's the thing. You think we didn't enjoy it, but I enjoyed it a lot. I thought yeah. the end of that, and again, I really, I really like the Mandalorian's character. I think it's, I think the whole concept of, I think he's way cooler than Boba Fett ever could have imagined to be. Uh, and it's a cool, and, uh, it's just a cool little space western is really what it ends it up is, being, right? It is, and that's what you want, and Star mm-hmm. Wars keeps getting in the way. Skywalkers he, keep getting in the way. I mean, they even put him in a sword fight at the end, so that's cool. I don't understand yeah, the composition spear, of this. With a big spear, and you kind of, you know, it was cool. Yeah, I don't understand the composition of that metal, but whatever, man. You want to make up some shit? That's uh, Star Wars is silly. That's it's just how it goes. Unobtainium. Unobtainium for Star Wars, great. Which means, yeah. hey, you got, you, got, you got stuff that even lightsabers can't cut through. Exactly. Yeah, looking forward to that Boba Fett show. Not really too excited about season three of this, but I'm going to watch it, and I'm sure uh, Johnny Fabs has a way to uh, make it right. So, I trust. I would love it if, like, Baby Yoda just, like, he became this evil student, and he finds his way back. 
And then, you know, Mando's got to go fight Luke Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) He just kills him right there. And then you find out the actual Luke Skywalker. Oh, wait. And then then you find out the actual Luke Skywalker is not who died and was all grumpy and the last Jedi, which nobody liked. It's like, oh, no, that wasn't real. That was just his clone because fuck you. We're making shit up now. I know nothing about Clone Wars. And I'm really... I'm really hesitant to get into watching that cartoon. It's a lot. Like, it's I, a lot I, of I content. I don't, but again, I just don't know if I can do Star Wars cartoons, man. I don't know if I can do it. I it starts it. off I rough, but apparently it's good. But you know, the whole thing with clones is just pretty straightforward. There was they made a bunch of clones. There, uh, Boba Fett was uh, was the one of the kids based on the second movie, and that's it. I don't. I don't. The clone stuff is very much supplementary, but there's apparently some great episodes in there. I'll never watch them all. I started. I started to watch. I think I watched like four episodes. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And like, oh, you got to watch the movie because that's like the first real oh, no, start. I was like, movie. no, no, the animation's not even good. Like, I'm not, not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe yeah, it gets better, but it's it's really bad. Like, it looks like one of these 3D kids cartoons. That's kind of where it starts. It's like Beast Wars style shit. Not that bad, but, you know, it's not good. It looks like the animations that you see in these uh, in these commercials are like, what are you doing? It's like, we're making video games like you're not making yeah. video games. What are you yeah, doing? It's like VeggieTales is what I always thought of it. As. No, it's those like are good. VeggieTales animation is pretty good, right? I, it's But it's a cucumber. That's just a big tube. <laughs> it's like, OK, great. It's a cucumber. And they're talking about Jesus. Great. What? They're talking about Jesus. Yeah, VeggieTales is a religious cartoon, I believe. Oh, is it all it? this time. Yeah, veg- Veggie Tales is is like Bible stories, I believe. Let me make sure I'm not. Yeah, me... it's an American. Okay, <laughs> wow, you... something else. Yeah, it's an American Christian. Oh, you computer. This and it goes, "How did Bob the Tomato kill himself?" Whoa, what? <laughs> Veggie Tales. He gets really biblical. He it was a, yeah, it was a sure... it was a self circumcision gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Veggie Tales like started like at the religious cartoon. I think. Yeah, it is. It is. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an American so like, Christian computer generated child. Yeah, okay, you're right. It's VeggieTales. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is correct. Of, like, veggie, if you look at the animation of VeggieTales, like if you look at the images of it, it's like, yeah, okay, we're going to get a sphere. I only knew about the, the VeggieTales movie. We're going to get this rounded cylinder, and we're going to add some squash and stretch to the animation. We're going to tell Bible stories. Okay. Cool. I don't think God ever made vegetables in his, like, like as personified like this. He only made, he only made an apple. Well, he also made the banana, according to that one guy who said banana is proof that we are of intelligent design because the way that the amount of grooves in your hand, like when you bend your hand around a banana, how it fits perfectly around. (laughs) Don't monkeys eat bananas by like a different way? Don't they eat it the opposite way? (laughs) You're trying to rationalize this, (laughs) that comment. I don't know why you do that. Yeah, like like monkeys eat bananas weirdly. I'm gonna, this is going into it. Uh, this is a uh, incognito search. Banana. Yeah. How do monkeys peel bananas? We'll do this, and then I gotta go paint. <laughs> so. Yeah. I also I ordered food for delivery about ten minutes ago, so I'm gonna. Yeah, that. yeah. They 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 peel the banana the opposite way. Here we go. Banana argument from Rational Wiki. The banana argument is a specific teleological argument for theism based on form and function of natural objects, specifically in this case, the banana, according to Ray comfort, Jesus Christ, that guy's, that guy's got an easy listening album that for sure. Ray comfort. The, the banana is the atheist nightmare as he considers its ease of use, nutritional value and color coding to be irrefutable proof of intelligible of intelligent design in its usual in its usual presentation, it is 
humorously foolish, so much so that Comfort has since taken to using it as a joke himself and claiming that it has always been a joke or stand-up routine in contrast with the quite serious tactic he originally intended it as. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, there's a uh, yeah, there's a video called The Atheist Nightmare. So enjoy look look that up, enjoy it, have fun, and we'll uh, we'll close this out. Um well, look, everyone, happy continuous Hanukkah, right? Is Hanukkah over? It's over. Okay. It's done. Well, hope you had a happy, happy Hanukkah. Candles. And uh everyone have a Merry Christmas on the next couple of days, right? Friday. Record, but I'll probably put that yeah. up after. So have a uh so have a Merry Christmas and a happy Kwanzaa if you celebrate that. And yeah. Take it easy. Don't go outside. Wear a mask if you're in the States. Unless you're in New Zealand, then go outside and enjoy summer. It's beautiful. Yeah, outside. New Zealand, support your economy. <laughs> Till next week. Economy's up 13% Miles this year. This yeah. podcast is over. It's done.